let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions and we're back in your ears once again. The beer is almost in the glass and we're looking back at our recent trip to Southwold to witness what was quite an amazing collaboration between Adnams and Sierra Nevada. I'm looking forward to talking about this again because it's been a few weeks now since we actually did this. It, it has been a few weeks and also I think probably a, a, a key thing to point out here is that You've not tried this beer yet, have no, you? No, I haven't. So this, I... Is, this is the collaboration beer that we're just pouring into the glass right now. This is the Eastern Edge. It's Adnams and Sierra Nevada 4.8% Transatlantic Palau, which uses UK versions of Cascade and Chinook and a combination of both Adnams and Sierra Nevada yeast. Probably the only thing missing. I mean, obviously the malt bill was the malt was all from uh, Adam's usual supplies. Yep. And would have been the only thing if uh, Sierra and I would have brought a load of water over. <laughs> yes, and 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 the added um, bit of rye from Jonathan Adam's own fields. Yes. Which you know is appropriate because as rye is in ghost ship as well. Yes. Yeah. So yes, yeah. I you have tried this, and we can talk about that in a bit. But yeah. I haven't. Okay. Would you like me just to keep talking and keep delaying this moment for you, or Piss or shall we just <laughs> we just get it? Cheers. Cheers. Right. Obviously, I had no point of reference for the other versions, the the cask or the keg. That is pretty much what I was hoping it would be when we were there on the brew day. Does it? Does it? Does it do it all? Yes. It does. It, you know, and also, I mean the the. Branding, the labelling, the colouring, all smacks of both of them all coming together, doesn't it? And there is so much Sierra Nevada green in the in the colouring of, yeah. the, of the branding. Yes. Um, the can has got a lovely soft water quality, which I think you you often find with Sierra Nevada, especially with the pale ale. It is soft, isn't it? Yep. Um, I wouldn't say you always get that with Adams, actually the Adams beers. So this definitely feels like that's a little bit of something they've tweaked a little bit. Um it's fruity. This feels like this is this is how the beer will be on keg. I would venture, probably drinkable. Four point eight percent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so time of recording some of our our, our segues now, Steve. Is what six weeks ago? It was six weeks ago. And went to the brewery to witness the the brew day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So about when we say witness the brew day, <laughs> yeah. Well, we were allowed to watch what was going on. We, we weren't, allowed, weren't allowed to touch or anywhere be near, near anything. anything no, were we? no, no, hops. No, we actually we weren't even allowed to see the hops. Well, we were. We were in a different room. We were in the hop store, but we weren't allowed to play with the hops. No. Like, like like the brewers were allowed to. But it was it was great to be a part of that brew day, and we oh, it was awesome are going to be forever grateful to, to Fergus for inviting us up to be part of that because not only did we get to once again visit a place that we're both very, very fond of, which is Southwold, <laughs> um, we got to have a look around the brewery, we, we got to speak to everybody involved in this beer. And um, people who weren't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got to meet Scott Jennings, who is the head... Innovation Brewmaster. Innovation Brewmaster of for the Sierra, North Carolina. Yeah, for Sierra Nevada. Sierra Nevada. Which, and which was an experience, yeah. 
And we got to kind of witness um, the two head brewers just having a lot of fun. Basically, this is, I think, the thing that I took away from the day. Geeking out. Yes. So it, it was basically they were having a, a, brewer, a brewing equivalent conversation of me and you talking about Marvel. They were having our endgame moment, yes. weren't they? Because they were talking about the kit, yeah. they were talking about the software, yeah. they were talking about everything to do with it. And they, I mean, Scott and Dan, Dan being the head brewer at Adams now, they really were really tight that day. Yes, absolutely. When they were talking, they sort of just drifted off together. It's like, okay, so we, we're going to follow on Scott and Dan now then. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. It, but it was actually really quite nice to watch um, from very different parts of the world, very different you know, backgrounds and stuff, uh, different ages, different stages of what they're doing. But they all, they, they came together. And I think as you start to listen to some of the interviews we've got coming up, you'll, you'll understand why. Absolutely, yeah. And I think you've said there, this, this, this show that you're about to listen to is a culmination of a series of interviews that we did on the day that we were there. And we were lucky enough to sit down with lots of different people to talk about this beer and also the fact that it's Adnam's 150th anniversary as well this, yeah. this year, which is part of why they've, they've brewed this beer. So the, the, the first interview that you're going to listen to is with Fergus Fitzgerald, who is the production director at Adnam's. And, and Fergus talks about not just this beer and that 150th anniversary, but he talks about the pandemic and some of the challenges that that's presented to not just them as a brewery and as a business, but to the trade in general. He talks about the importance of cask beer coming that, back. That, that, and that, as, will, that as, will come across a lot. Yes, absolutely. So it's a theme that keeps coming up. And um, we also take him down a route of talking about the return of Spindrift, which is a beer that's very <laughs> dear to both our hearts and, and that we're, we're glad to see back. And, and obviously, he does also talk about this, this this collaboration. Now, what I will say before we let you listen to this is that throughout all of these interviews, there's some background noise. And that's because we were in Southwold, the windows were open. Southwold is a seaside town. There are a lot of seagulls. So and we were in a production brewery as well. So there's a lot there's some background noise occasionally. Yes. So so please forgive that, but that's due to the nature of the location. Um, but what we're going to do right now is we're going to join the conversation with Fergus, just as we're talking about pubs closing in 2020. I got back from London, um, and then within a couple of days, Boris Johnson then made the, he, he said people shouldn't go to pubs. Go out, but don't go out. He said, yeah, yeah, we're not shutting pubs, but just don't go to them. Yeah. And then we were sort of left as, what do you do? So we shut the pubs. So we shut them a week earlier than, than the sort of rest of the world, rest of the UK did, because cause we could just see trade just dropping off a cliff, because who, who goes out to a pub having been told, actually, it's not safe? Yeah, yeah. Or sometimes we had no idea what yeah. we were up against at yeah. the time. So yeah, it was and, and at the time, for, for you as a business, that must have been like... What do we do? Yeah, what, what what do we do next? Generally, the scariest time I've, yeah. I've ever known because you don't know what the hell is happening. So you're, you're talking to people and saying, you, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, and everyone wants to ask you about what the next step is, and you don't know. You haven't got a clue. Oh, we were blind. Yeah, yeah. or whatever business it was, but especially for anything like hospitality, leisure, yeah. pubs, leisure centres. Yeah, they were the ones which took the longest to come back out again. Yeah. And, and, and in the production side, we're relatively fortunate. We, we were still brewing. Um, it was just the you know, can, can, or cask and keg were, were, were off. But actually, we could still brew. We could still send beer for bottling and canning. Um, so at least we still we were still doing things. But we'd cut the team right down. Um, 
and then the, I think I think across the whole company the, it was only really about 30 people running the, the business which you know, it went from sort of 550 people down to 30 overnight that's a ridiculous yeah. number, isn't it? Mm. And you're, and that's just reflective of bigger numbers elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all those people in the pubs, the hotels, the shops, yeah. They, 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 yeah, they were all furloughed. We're still impacted by now. Yeah, that's still still only just coming. There's still out new now. things, new yeah. new challenges you've never never come across before, but there's at least less of them. Yeah. Um, and in terms of trade, we were talking about it earlier before we started recording. Um, in terms of numbers, people coming back to the pub, was there like an automatic boom? And is that starting to level off? Is it pre-pandemic levels or is it? Uh, so I think when pubs were first allowed to open, and obviously they weren't, it wasn't, they weren't open fully. They were sort of outside yeah. or, or restricted. So six people. Yeah. So I think we, we certainly saw people come back pretty quickly to go and try cast beer again. I think that and there was a nice there was a nice uplift as soon as people were allowed to go back into pub, which was great. But that did tailor back off when people sort of because all the rules were still in place really. So I think people then sort of thought, well that, that that's nice. I've ticked that box now I can I can hunker down mm. again. So it definitely died back off again. Um, I think trade now is pretty good. I, I it's not back to 2019 levels and and I think the the cask side I think is still is still probably the biggest issue. Um, I think we still have pubs who maybe historically would have done five or six handfuls are now doing three, two or three handfuls because the turnover isn't quite there. So I think there's still a bit of reluctance to go back and expand the range. And I think that's, some of that's good because actually sometimes pubs work. We're trying to have too many beers on the bar and actually cask beer really works when it's churning over. When you're emptying a cask a day, perfect. When you're yeah. emptying a cask every four days, not so perfect. And if you're off, if you're in a smaller location, and you're trying yeah. to offer five or yeah. six. Yeah, but I think one of the nice things locally is that sort of lots of places in the UK have seen it, but that sort of tourism of you know people from the UK holidaying in the UK, which is not a staycation. We've decided yeah. that's absolutely not a staycation. Oh, that's, 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 that's just home. going on holiday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in the puts, UK, that means everyone who can't afford to go away. Yeah. Somebody's saying that's a staycation. No, it's their holiday. It's a holiday. But yeah, so I think I think there's definitely been more people staying in the UK, and I think that's been pretty. That's been a good thing for Caspia generally, um, and I think it's obviously good for places like Southwell where we sort of rely on tourism. So, and that's staying at a high level at the moment. So we're hopeful that will still. It's not all of it. I'm sure as soon as you know, things have relaxed a bit and people are starting to go out for the sort of foreign holiday, but I think more people are going to at least have a holiday in the UK than maybe would have thought about it three or four years ago. So that's good for us. That's good for the brewery. It's good for Caspia as well. I think. Yeah, and obviously speaking about Caspia, that's definitely the thing about Steve and I associate with Adams. Yeah, is the cask output. Some very specific ones which we'll we'll name check, but we are obviously. 150 years of Adam's yep. history this year, cast beer has been the one thing, presumably all the way through, that 150 years? Yeah, I can't speak for the very early years, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> certainly for most of its history, cast beer is, and it, you know, I think when I joined cast beer was probably, I guess, 85, 90% of what we did. Um, and it's not that big anymore, but it's still 40% of what we do. And it's still, it's still at the heart of what Adams is about, really. So although cask and keg, or sorry, keg and bottle and canner have grown substantially the last few years, actually cask is still very much at the sort of soul of what Adams does. Um, and particularly, it's I think for for some of the beers, it's where it's where the house yeast gets to express itself a bit more. Um, and 
I think Dan, Dan and myself have made a pact that no matter how bad Caspier sales get, we will always brew Caspier, even if it's just us two drinking it in the brewery. But we will always be safe. If you need any help. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll absolutely help out with that. You know, you know, if you find you can't get through it all, you know, yeah. give, us a, give us a call. Um, but I think you're right. I mean, you have, you know, Adams have definitely innovated. Yeah. Yeah, Spe- I think and trying to change. You've definitely seen that over the last 10 or 15 years with the Jack Brand beers when they were starting to come out, the Innovation yeah. IPA. Yeah. Um, even the supposed to be we're drinking now is sort of an innovation because it's a return. Yeah. You know? So Spindrift was, I think, so we completely rebuilt the brewery in sort of 2007 or so. Um, and this beer was sort of the first new beer that we brewed out of that. Um, and one of, when we put the brewery out in, we sort of, we talked a lot about how, how flexible it would be in terms of raw materials, that we could do different things, we could brew different styles of beer. So we wanted to do something that had a lot of wheat in it, which this does. Uh, and you, you, can taste, you can taste that wheat on the spin rate. Yep. You can taste that sort of slightly phenolic-y, slightly, slightly banana note as well coming through. Um, so this, this was, I think this has a, has, a, has a place in, certainly locally, it has, it has a sort of place in people's hearts as, as something that was sort of associated with that rebirth of the brewery and... and and doing well, something new for the first time I remember, in a long time. I remember living in Colchester, so we got a couple of Adams pubs there, mm. and it came out. It was like a really nice option at 4%. Yeah. Um, and also the small pack, the blue bottles. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's the thing that stands out. Obviously, most not a sustainable about, model yeah. in itself, but yeah. it was a, with the, with the, with the colouring of the label yeah. on that blue bottle, it stood out yeah. quite distinctively in any pub fridge. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was definitely a beer that when you stopped making it, it was like, huh. <laughs> yeah, why have you done that? Yeah, why have you done that? You're just trying to force me to drink more ghost ship. I already drink a lot of it. Yeah. Um, what prompted the return? Uh, so, obviously, it's the 150th anniversary of Adam, so we thought about actually what, what does that mean to people? Um, and it means something to us internally, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice sort of milestone for the brewery, but actually, for most people, it doesn't really mean anything to them. So, we thought we want to do something that actually does mean something to the people who've drunk Adams for a long time or, or sort of sort of live locally or whatever it is so one of the things we thought we could do is listen to all those people who, who over the years have said why don't you bring back this why have you dropped doing that so we thought okay let's let's put a list together of of beers that we we think we've been asked about over the last you know 10 years or whatever it is um, and actually put it out and see let people vote as to what beer they want to bring back so we thought it was a nice way of engaging with people and and actually giving you know letting letting the Adams drinkers be in charge for once. Well, I mean, what did you vote for, Steve? I, I voted for Spindrift. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A- absolutely. And I, I encouraged lots of other people <laughs> for, for Spindrift as well. Because this is, this is the beer that I, I wanted to, to see come back. Because, yeah. yeah, I've got very fond memories of it. I, I, I think I, the last time I drank it was in 2013. Yeah. Which probably would have been probably around the last, the last time it, yeah. you, you, you brewed it. Yeah. And here we are almost 10 years later and it's, it's great to see it back but it's, it's not back for long is it it's, it's no it's, a, it's meant to be a one-off obviously unless if it, like every one-off if it sells <laughs> phenomenally well we'll do it again uh, and it is selling pretty well at the moment so there is there is some chance we might do, do it you think it's selling longer. well because of the nostalgia yes absolutely r- rather yeah, than yeah. it's yeah. selling well because yeah. it's selling well yeah I think I think there's obviously some nostalgia in there definitely um, but we'll see what the repeat sales are like because yeah I think nostalgia gets you the first drink. Yeah. But actually, if you keep buying it, and people are still at the moment seem to still be buying it, then maybe maybe it's a bit more than just nostalgia. Yeah. It's also six, like three thirty can four percent. This feels like a bit for me a bit of a fridge filler. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, six of these 
fit in the door, nice and easy, 4%, not going to knock me sideways. It's tasting really nice as well. Now, is it the same recipe as close as? So it's the same recipe, um, and we because I think Spinjot had a couple of iterations. So when we first brought it out, it was 5%, and then we dropped it to 4 probably about a year or so in. I can't remember exactly what's about that. So we've brought back four percent recipe, um, which uses some Nelson Sauvignon as well, um, and the sort of hops in it to ch- changed sort of towards the end of its life. But we went back to that Nelson Sauvignon recipe. I mean, it's really refreshing. Yeah, I mean, we're, I mean, I'm trying to slow, make sure I drink it slowly. <laughs> to be honest. Well, it's like you say, it's 150th anniversary, and this is kind of the first thing you've done this year to kind of celebrate that anniversary. Yeah. yeah. Um, what other plans have, have you got? Kind of, we know you've got a very special yeah. collab yeah, in, in, good. In, in, in the works, which is obviously why we've been invited down to the brewery today to see some of that happening. Yeah. So, so tell us about how did uh, the collab between Adnams and Sierra Nevada yeah. come about? Because those are two breweries that you wouldn't have necessarily. Why? I just, I don't know, I just... <laughs> but isn't that, good, isn't that a good question, though? Because um, I think Dan said the same thing to us. Yeah, yeah, he said, why, why not? And I haven't got a good answer. No. I haven't got a good answer. But, you know, we, we've spoken many times about our love of Adams and the Cast Beer and our love of Sierra Nevada. So for yeah. us, it almost should have been a wish list yeah. collab. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost the perfect collab. Yeah. But, yeah, I can't think of a reason why not, but I would still say to Estates, like, it is quite unexpected. Yeah. Well, I, so I'll tell you how it came about, really, and and, and then you can think about why why you thought it was unexpected. <laughs> uh, so I guess for two reasons. I guess uh, over, over the the first lockdown, uh, there was a, a sort of the the the, fe- the international fellowship of brewers started up, um, and I was invited. So it's just a group of group of brewers from around around the world on a Zoom tasting, Zoom chat, um, and I was invited on and just got to know Scott a bit, uh, who's the Who's the brewer at the uh, at the sort of North Carolina Sierra Nevada brewery? Um, so we got we got chatting, um, got on really well, um, and then we started thinking about sort of you know once we sort of got the idea that actually you know we would have a business in 2022 despite COVID, we thought actually we, we need to celebrate the 150th, and and whenever whenever I've been asked historically about you know who do I think does this really well, who who what breweries you know usually what breweries do you admire what. What, on whatever subject it is, Sierra was probably always in that mix. It was always a brewery that all, they've got, you know, they've got lots of heritage, um, and they've managed to stay relevant despite all the other changes in the American beer market. Um, I really like their sustainability stuff, and that, for for people who don't know, but Adams, but that's sort of central to what we do as well. So whenever we were asked about what who 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 do we think is doing something really well, Sierra would always be on that list. So then the question came up about who would you, who would you most like to do a collab with, um, and Sierra was just was just number one on that list every time. Um, so I asked Scott, and he said, "Yes, easy." In hindsight, it makes total sense. What by the two? Oh, I, was a, I wasn't aware um, quite of their sustainability credentials. No, they, they, they are, I would say they're, they're the leaders in the U.S. in sustainability by by any measure, really. Um, they're. You know, they're, they're, certainly the Californian brewery benefits from a little bit more sunshine, and so their solar panel yeah. setup is probably a little bit better than we get around here. <laughs> it's been grey for about three days, I think, here. Uh, but yeah, they, they lead the way, as far as I'm concerned, in, in sustainability in the US. Um, so that was always important to us. Um, and I think the, the sort of the, the links in terms of the family sort of setup as well, mm-hmm. I, I really like the. 
they, they have they, they they sort of show that independence quite clearly, um, and I think that's something we internally in Adams think we're we're sort of we, we hold near to our hearts as well that actually independence, the idea that we can do things a bit differently, we don't have to be beholden to getting a return on investment in two years or whatever whatever the, the thing is in, in sort of the, the sort of those more multinational breweries, but. Um, it just sort of the more we thought about it, the more actually there's a lot of there's a lot of similarities to how we run our businesses and what we want to be and what we want to try and do. Um, so it just seemed to make a lot of sense. And so I was going to just say, why have they come here? Didn't you think, oh, I get a trip out to California <laughs> well, or so North Carolina? Well, Scott's invited us back, so we'll do that another day. But I guess what we're going to do here is we want this to celebrate Caspier particularly, and and really that has to be done here. So Caspia needs to be brewed at this brewery with, with our yeast and, and that, yeah. So and Sierra Nevada bought into that, Scott bought into that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, yeah, I think, I think we, we sort of treat cask here as a, as a sort of an everyday occurrence, but obviously for American brewers, cask is seen as, as, as a sort of a rarity and, and something quite, quite unique to the, to the UK. Yeah. Um, so I think Scott was interested in, in doing something around cask as well. Um, so. So yeah, I think that holds a bit more, a bit more prestige in, in a sort of American brewer's perspective than maybe we give it in the UK. Yeah. What What's the beer then? What What have you brewed? What did you come up with? Uh, so it's a unsurprisingly it's a pale ale, <laughs> uh, but it's it's a pale ale with some Cascade and Chinook, um, and it's going to use some Cascade and Chinook both from the US and from the UK. So those two there aren't too many varieties that get sort of get grown in in lots of different regions, but Cascade and Cascade particularly is grown in lots of places, um, and Chinook as well is grown here and in the and Germany and, and the US. So we thought it'd be quite a nice sort of nice take on it to sort of Cascade obviously being very important for Sierra Nevada, um, and actually we thought it'd be quite a nice take to use some some of those varieties that are grown here as well to sort of showcase the differences. So you still get that, you still get the full Cascade and Chinook sort of flavour, but you also get a bit of the nuance of what actually happens to those varieties when they get grown here. Um, so it's also going to use sort of a combination of our yeast and this is getting a bit more technical but our yeast and their yeast as well so again you get a bit more a bit of house character from both places so it is a proper a proper melding of sort of recipes and, and sort of ideas I think how, how has that yeast blending worked have, have you had to play we'll, around we'll, we'll find out pretty soon <laughs> uh, so I think I think ours will do the, the, the sort of heavy lifting at the start and, and then we're using the Sierra. So we're not going to run them both together at the same time. Okay. So we'll do the yeah. primary fermentation with our yeast uh, and then and then we'll use the Sierra for the final. And it's available cask, which yeah. is, as you say is, is important for you to, to showcase it in that form. Yeah, and I think it gives a bit of excitement back to cask. Um, I think it... Th- yeah. How, how far and wide will your cask go then? Okay. How, many, how, many, how far are you going to get this cask out? Uh, I don't know yet. Uh, so I think we're we're talking to a couple of pubcos about getting listed, and they're quite, they're very interested in. So hopefully it'll be pretty widespread. Okay, um, that's cool. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I think that obviously the other part of having Sierra doing the collab is everyone knows them. Yeah, yeah. There's no there's no explanation if we're doing a collab about who this brewery is or what they what they do and what they stand for. People know Sierra. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's a pretty it's a pretty easy conversation to have with people. We're doing the collab with Sierra. Do you want Do you want some? 
<laughs> so it's a much easier conversation than if oh, we sorry, I thought you were asking us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will be, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and also available keg and 440ml cans. Yeah, right? so we'll do 440ml 40, can, um, a little bit of keg, and but primarily the volume will be cask. Yeah, really, really yeah. showcasing yeah. there. And, and, yeah. and, and I think it should. So we're dry hopping the cask as well in cask. Um, so I, I guess everyone, everyone sort of is used to the idea of dry hopping beers now, but most beers tend to get dry hopped in vessel. Um, but there are certain varieties, um, and Fuggles is definitely one of them, and we, we dry hop our Southwell Bittering cask with, with Fuggles, so it goes in the cask and you get that extra, extra length of time of, of basically that, that flavour infusion, but also you start to get a bit of tannin sort of coming through from that, from that hop as it starts to age into the beer. Um, so we're going to do that with, with this beer as well. We're going to dry hop it with Cascade in cask, and again, you should get that, that nice development of flavour over time. Mm. And it is something that is a bit different then for cask, so you can't, you know, you can't really dry hop a bottle. You can't really dry hop a can. Um, I'm sure people have tried, but I'm not sure it works out that well. Um, but at least, you know, for cast, you can do that. You can actually use it as a as a as a way of adding extra flavour as well. Yeah. And is that just one of a series of collabs this year, or is, is so only one collab this year? So I think we decided this was it was better to focus on one big thing uh, and try and make make as much as much out of that as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to do a couple of other things in the year as well to sort of, again, to sort of mark the 150th. So for the sort of third quarter of the year, we're going to do another another public vote, uh, but this time it's going to be about designing a new recipe. Um, so uh, each of the brewers have come up with a recipe, uh, sort of style of beer that they want to, they would like to brew, um, but we're going to send it out to people to, for let, to let them decide which one of those it's going to be. Um, so, we, so we want it to be a bit more, like I said, I think 150, is, it's a nice number, it's a round number, but actually on its own it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So we want to yeah. use it a bit more to, to talk to people and get people involved rather than it just be our thing. Mm-hmm. And bringing back any other old beers? No more bringing back this year. No more bringing back. No. Okay. Oh, well, no, that's not true. Uh, so it's not really part of the 150th, but when we, when we first went into lockdown, we just did the Camden on Sea. Um, which is the collab we did with Camden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, really lovely beer. Um, had a very small stint in cask, and then suddenly pubs got shut down. Uh, but then we did we did put it into can, and it sold really well for us. Um, so over the last two three years, that's probably the, or two years since twenty two. Uh, that's probably the beer that people keep asking about when we're going to do it again. Um, so we're going to bring it back. We can't keep calling it Camden on Sea. I think Camden might not appreciate that yeah. so much. Uh, so we're going to bring it back, but it's, it's just going to be called an IPL, um, and we'll put it in with a Jack Brand label. So we'll bring that back as well, um, just because it, uh, you know, it it did sell so well, mm-hmm. and and the beer itself came out really really expressed citra really well. That sort of elderflower note of of citra came out so so well on that beer. Um, so I mean, I only tried it on from the can. Yeah. And I, I thought it was, and this is any disrespect to the other ones you did for Goshit. Um, it was a, I thought it was a really fantastic example of those two together. Yeah, no, I think it worked really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that worked really well. So we're, we're bringing that back uh, in a couple of months. Well, probably a month. Yeah, month, six weeks. And what will that? That will be cake beer. Uh, it'll be just a can. Uh, well, we're going to do a very small amount of cask uh, for our for our pubs. So yeah. it's a very small amount, uh, and then the rest will go into can. Oh, okay. And then we seeing both barrels this year as well. Yes, uh, Dan is. We, we tasted. I don't know. 80 casks about three weeks ago. Tough job. It, it, was, a, it was a long <laughs> two days. Um, we had to break it into two, but yeah. So we tasted 
loads of casks um, to pick out the ones that we thought were, were good enough to go to go into bottle. So it'll probably be a couple of months yet before that's done, but yeah, you'll see both barrels at some point this year. And uh, triple knot. And, and triple knot as well. Uh, that's, I think, brewing next week. So yeah, so we'll bring both. We're just going through our list of beers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> When's it available? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so both barrels, and and on top of all, on top of the 150th anniversary, we've also got the the 50th anniversary of Broadside this year, um, and the 350th anniversary of the Battle of Soul Bay, which you'll both remember. Remember? A bit hard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's in your diary. <laughs> Uh, so Broadside was first brewed to mark the tricentenary of the Battle of Soul Bay, and obviously now the tricentenary is now 350 years. Um, so, so we've got a few anniversaries and a few things around Broadside to do, um, and then towards the end of the year we'll do another sort of special beer to as yeah. the final, because really the anniversary, the 150th anniversary, is really at the end of the year, sort of November time. Mm-hmm. So we'll do another beer towards the end of the year again to, to sort of mark that. What 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 are you thinking of doing with Broadside? Uh, well, Broadside is probably going to be more focusing on the spirit side. Okay. Uh, so, um, you so that's prob- the spirit of Broadside. So yeah, so we yeah. do we do the spirit of Broadside, um, which is a, essentially Broadside brewed as Broadside and then distilled like we distill a whiskey and then aged in oak. It's um, delicious. It, it, it's it's, it's really good. Um, John, who's our head distiller, um, got some got some Isla casks in. I, don't, I can't remember now, but maybe last year. Uh, so I, with that really sort of peaty, smoky sort of whiskey. Yeah. Um, so he's aged some spirit of broadside in, in those barrels. Um, and it has, a fin- uh, considering it's not been, it, you know, the malt wasn't peated when we, when we made, spirit, went made spirit of broadside. It's only, the, it's only the influence of the cast that's given it that smoky, peaty finish. It is so smoky and so peaty. People may have heard I've opened uh, another beer. That, so we have gone to go ship which seems the appropriate place to go. So not only was it the 10th anniversary at the start, essentially during the first year of the pandemic. Yeah. Is this fair to say this is your beer, Fergus? It's, it, well, it's my beer, but it's now Dan's beer as much as it is mine. Um, so Dan sort of took on the head brewer title sort of last year. Um, but in reality, Dan's been doing most of the head brewing for a couple of years anyway. So Dan's really been in charge of sort of maintaining the flavour, improving the flavour of Ghost Ship for the last few years, so it's as much mine as it is Dan's. And was it a permanent beer when it first came out? Uh, no, so... It was another one-off? <laughs> it, it, like, all one, like all beers, they, well, most beers we do, they sell as one-offs and then if they work we keep them going. So it was originally, um, I'll, I'll tell you the full story I guess, but so we had an idea about doing a, a beer for Halloween um, in sort of 20, oh, well, 2009-2010, um, so we thought we should do something for Halloween as a sort of one-off seasonal beer because um, we didn't really have anything coming out around that time. Um, and in in one of the pubs in South Wales, the Red Lion, which I think you were in late, earlier on today, mm-hmm. um, they used to have a glass cabinet in there with some old Adams bottles in there. And so one of the old bottles in there was something called Deathly Pale Ale. It had a sort of cream sort of label on it with a skull and crossbones sort of as, as the front label. And it was called Deathly Pale Ale. Um, and it didn't really fit with the image of Adams at all, uh, so we sort of started looking to what, what this thing was, uh, and it turned out it was a beer they brewed in 1975, um, uh, and it was really meant to be a centenary beer, but we're not 100% sure if it was, because the centenary was two years earlier, but anyway, um, they brewed the beer, uh, sort of got the labels printed, um, but I think at the last minute, the, the sort of board looked at it and thought, well, that's just a symbol for poison, why are we putting that in the front of a bottle? Uh, so they killed the idea of calling it Deathly Pale Ale, they called it Centenary Pale Ale, 
um, and it went out with a very different label. But some of the some of the because the labels had already been printed, some hand applied bottles had, had went out with with the deathly pale oh, okay. symbol on it. And we thought, oh, that's a really good name for a Halloween beer. Um, so we designed the recipe around the citra, um, and really that was because um, some of the, the sort of hop merchants and had been over to the Anchor in Walberswick, um, I think of the year before, um, and they started talking about this new hop variety called Citra, um, and were raving about it and said we needed to we needed to get this get yeah we needed to get some samples. So we did got some samples and just fell in love with the hop straight away. Uh, it was and it's very hard to explain now, but Citra was such a different hop to what el- whatever else was around at the time. Um, it had this really really strong sort of lemon, lime, and that nice elderflower sort of note coming through it. So we decided as soon as we had a chance, we would use that, that hop. Uh, and the first chance really came with Deathly Pale Ale. Um, but then we decided we couldn't call it Deathly Pale Ale because it's a symbol for poison. And that, that's a terrible idea. Uh, so it got called Ghost Ship instead. Um, and that's where... And so first year, it was just a seasonal, but it sold, sold faster than any seasonal we'd ever done before. Um, but Citra was in very short supply, so it wasn't like we could keep it permanent, even if we wanted to, we'd run out, that was it. Uh, so we brought it back the next year again as a seasonal for Halloween, um, and then the next year it had sold out before Halloween, which didn't go down phenomenally <laughs> with everybody. Um, but then again, that was as much Citra as I could get. So then the following year, I contracted a huge amount of, well, what I thought was a huge amount of Citra. Um, Still not enough? It was definitely still not enough, but at least it, at least it was around for that year. For Halloween. Uh, but we then made it permanent, and then I started contracting large and large and larger volumes. And Citra now is our is by far the number one hop that we use. Is that because the amount that goes into yeah, yeah, there's a big volume that goes into Goship, but then also Goship itself is 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 our biggest brand. So, and also the Goship zero point five. So, Goship is our number one, um, and then and then sort of broadside's been number two for a few years. Um, partly because the off-trade's been sort of a bit quieter, and then Ghost of 0.5 is, is number three. And, oh, then, really? and then Southall Bitter at the moment is number four, but if pubs get back to normal, then expect Southall Bitter to come up a bit, but still, it's, you know, Ghost Ship in, in both its four and a half and 0.5 forms are, are pretty significant. I mean, the, I, the 0.5 is good. Yeah. You know, it's it's one of my favourite, effectively, no alcohol beers. Yeah, good. Um, it does feel like you're, I'm still drinking beer. Yeah. And that, that was, was your aim, wasn't it? That, that exactly was the aim. We wanted, we didn't want people to drink it because because it was a sort of the distress purchase that oh I have to I have to have a bit of time off of alcohol or I'll have to drink that. We wanted people to drink it because they wanted to drink it, um, and that seems to have worked so far. Yeah, and the Wild Wave, the Orsider, the mm-hmm. 0.5 version of that is very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very close to the five percent version. Yeah, and it does, and it, it doesn't taste like apple juice, which is always what people say. Yeah. Unfermented cider is not apple juice because it does have that little funkiness of the sort of cider running through it, so it just makes you think it is a cider as well. Yeah, so I mean, it's quite a range now that Adams have, isn't it? Both yeah. core and when you're bringing out seasonals. Yeah, well. yeah, there's quite a few beers in there. Um, sometimes too many. I think we, I think we probably, we, we probably do need to take a few off, off more often than we do, um, especially when we're putting new things on. So if we're putting the the IPL on, then maybe we do need to look and see what needs to come off because mm-hmm. there's only a certain amount of space on the shelf and keeping adding more things on isn't always the best idea because it just slows down the turnover. The, 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 and most beer, few exceptions, but most beer is better drunk when it's fresh. So we're better off having a sl- maybe a slightly smaller range at times and just keeping everything turning over well. On that note then, Tally Ho, mm-hmm. when's that best? When's that best? That's a good question. That's one of the beers that doesn't mind a bit of age. Um, so it, for me, 
I prefer it when it's probably a couple of years old. I think it just loses a bit of the sweet, the early sweetness, yeah. um, and it sort of rounds itself in a bit. Um, but I know some people much prefer it when it still has lots of that sweetness, so they much prefer it when it's fresh. So it does vary depending on what you, what you like. So I was lucky enough to have that the Christmas before the pandemic. They had a small uh, cask of it on the bar at the White Horse, yeah. so it on gravity. It was nice fresh. But, yeah. And yes, you did have that sweetness, but I did, it did work. Yeah, no, it definitely works. It depends, it does depend on how much sweetness you want in the beer. Yeah, yeah, no, I enjoyed that. Yeah. It's the same with, same with something like Broadside. So I actually prefer Broadside on cask when it's fresh, but something like Southwell Bitter, I much prefer that right at the end of its shelf life. So, so typically, I prefer Southwell Bitter sort of eight weeks after we've actually racked it, because I think at that, that stage you get lots of the dry hop character coming through. So, but that's a nice thing about cask, you can sort of choose when you open it and when you serve it. Never knew about the dry hop. Yeah. I think I think a lot of people would be surprised that Southwell Bitter is dry hopped. Yeah, and we, we, it's, we've tried doing it in tank, um, but because it's dry hopped with foggles, the oil content in foggles is not huge, so you're not getting huge amounts of sort of mm-hmm. transfer of oil. Um, so it really needs long contact time, and really that is best done when it's in cask, and then you start to get some of the tannin as well from the from the breakdown of the hop, so it adds this nice sort of almost tea-like tannin as it ages. How long has that been going on? Because I feel like Southwell Bitter does taste different. Uh, it, well, the dry hopping is is forever, as far as I can make out. Um, I don't think that's that's definitely okay. not that's at least twenty years, but probably um, probably longer. I would have been drinking, but now I was, I was thinking more recent memory. But mm-hmm. if it hasn't changed that much, then it was just me. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a fascinating fact, though. Yeah, so it's a very exciting year for Edmund said. Yeah, year. Uh, well, I think. I think you know when we started thinking about the 150th, the main thing was about making sure there was still a business here. Um, so we're very happy about that. Yeah, <laughs> we're very happy we're coming through it. Uh, and actually, there's a lot of optimism now about where where the brewery can go, what we can do. Um, and the 150, like I say, it's a nice thing internally as a milestone, but we we don't want it to be just about a number that we all jump up and down and pat ourselves on the back about. It it needs to be a bit more about actually getting getting beer, spirits, whatever it is, out to people. Um, who enjoy what we do. Yeah. Peak, peak excitement is today, it's all downhill from here. That's yeah. it, yeah. this is it. Yeah. 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 It's unfortunate, but yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. I know this is the, the, the first time that you've been on Opinions. You were yeah. on the old Beer O'Clock show. Yeah. Um, but as, yeah. As, as, as we said, that was at least six years ago. Got be. Because Martin's been on board then. Um, so, so thank you for joining us, and I hope this year goes very well for you. Well, thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers. So that was that, that was the chat with Fergus and, and I think for me there were some key points that, that, that came out of that and that's um, really about the sustainability factor of, of both breweries, not, not just of Adnams but Sierra Nevada are very very aware of sustainability and the environment as well aren't they? Yeah and I think we picked up there from, sorry to reference listeners, the interview we were lucky enough to do with Ken last year anyway but there was definitely an element of environment, sustainability building from the ground up, not taking things for granted in the area. Um, you know, the importance of history and legacy, that's applicable to both. Yes, there's 110 years difference between them. But I think what Fergus was very keen to point out was that it wasn't just about celebrating 150 years. It's still about being relevant right now. For you and I, Adnams are a brewery that have a very special place in our heart. Yes. We, we, we enjoy, they're fairly local to us. We we've both spent a lot a lot, lot of time in South Wales and drinking their beers and and we find the the Adams pubs 
come into you know obviously into Suffolk parts of North Essex yeah. etc so yeah we can definitely get that but you know what and I think we had that conversation with Fergus we were both surprised about Sierra Nevada and Adams getting together and and, and Fergus asked us why, why? Yeah. and I'm not sure we ever answered that question at the time well I, I don't think we did because I just as, as much as it's kind of that whole fantasy collaboration thing isn't it if, if there were two breweries you wanted to see do a collaboration who would they be and I would never have put these two breweries know, together logically speaking it makes sense yeah especially for us and I, I still don't understand why I didn't see it because we both love Adams we've spoken about it many times over almost six years together about it Sierra Nevada has been referenced so many times and yet somehow we didn't put the two together no and, 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 and actually what they've produced is is a beer that has the characteristics of both breweries. Yeah. For, for me, the the Eastern Edge possibly has on the finish possibly leans towards more Sierra Nevada than does Adnams. I, I think maybe the Sierra Nevada yeast is working just a little bit harder in there, or or it's a bit more dominant in in that beer. But on the whole, it's it's an incredibly delicious beer. It is an incredibly delicious beer, and it's um. It does feel like they've melded. You know, some. I think collaborations got better in recent years because I think we did an early show about collaborations. We did, yeah. Where yeah. we discussed, are they the best of both worlds? And a lot of the time they weren't. This feels like the best of both worlds. I, I think it does. And it was, it, was, it was quite difficult on the day that we were there to talk to both Dan and Scott about what this beer might be because they had no idea it was theory that, that, wasn't it they had developed a recipe and they had developed this thing that they thought they would work and the ingredients that would work together and and that comes out in both of the interviews that you'll hear as as as, as we get onto them but yeah it's it's in a way it's quite weird to be sitting here right now drinking this beer that that we saw the conception of we saw the conception of and we saw we definitely saw a button being pressed on the day we were kept well away from that button. Yeah, we were kept well we, away from we, that we, button. We saw a very it. sensible approach, yeah, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> but we're going we're gonna to move on now to the, the next interview, which is us talking to Dan Goodham, who is the head brewer at Haddenham's, and he talks about his brewing background and the importance of collaboration, not just with people outside of the brewery, but also within the brewery, so the collaboration between the brewers and them working together. Also, Dan has quite an interesting discussion about blending beers in Suffolk <laughs> and how it's a bit of a, a of a tradition. So that's and that's something to look forward cause to. Cause a bit well. of an eye opener for us. Abs- absolutely, because we actually tried some of that yeah. as well, didn't we? Yeah. But we, we we're going to jump into this interview as as we're drinking the 2021 version of Tally Ho. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Welcome, Dan. Yeah. No, thanks for having me on. So, so this is um, Tally Ho. 2021, so last year's version of your annual barley wine. Yeah. Which is obviously something that you'll now be responsible for yeah. for, for brewing every year. Tell us a little bit of the background about, about the beer. So it's probably, yeah, it's our longest serving beer. So, um, As in continuous? Yeah, or? and um, so the brewing records go back to sort of 1880. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a really fundamental part of our history, and but the original recipe would have used a lot of like brewing sugars, so um, the recipe has kind of changed. It has evolved over the years, and um, we use a lot more roasted malts probably than historically, 
Um, Presumably that's what gives it quite the dark, mahogany yeah, colour. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, you know, using a lot of brewing sugars um, can give you colour as well, depending on how on, on the type and stuff. So, um, But, yeah, it's a, one of my favourite beers. Um, our yeast is just made, you know, this is like the perfect beer style for our yeast. And oh, would you say this is like the sweet spot? Yeah, how it works. Um, it's just... Yeah, I mean, our yeast is very versatile, um, but when it comes to brewing the styles of beer, it's just fantastic. Um, the ester profile, so you probably smell, you get sort of cherries and... Um, it's always like um, fruits of the forest. Yeah, yeah. Type of thing, you know, sure. the forest kettle, yeah. fruits of the forest, uh, cordial. Yeah, I think this is quite possibly yeah. the freshest I've ever had a Sally Ho because I yeah it's one do, of those. Do you have it I'm, in cask sometimes? I've it? never had yeah. the cask version of it. I have. Yeah, that one I have had. Uh, it was just it was on the bar at one of the local pubs to here. Yeah, I've got family over here, and um, it was only a small cask of it. And so what, uh, it was the twenty nineteen batch. Yeah, and I actually really enjoyed it fresh from yeah. the cask. So uh, there's a kind of um, tradition. Um, that once the the, the tally ho goes into cask, um, sort of landladies and landlords will buy a cask and then they'll age it in their cellar and then serve it like some people age it, you know, for a couple of years. Mm. But um, yeah, certainly like at least sort of six months, and then the beer really does get transformed. It it really becomes much more winey in its characteristics. The sort of um, because of the ABV, um, if it's stored correctly though, um, and you keep the yeast healthy, you can still get some really nice carbonation. Um, but yeah, the development of flavour is incredible. So, yeah. How to keep the yeast healthy? Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think you were going to ask the same question. <laughs> yeah, you looked so at me as as soon as Dan said that. You looked at me and it's like, okay, now, now we're interested. Yeah, how, yeah. How, how do you do, do that? that? Well, you, you, the most critical thing will be temperature. So storing the cask in, in the in, in a in dark, the, cool yeah. cellar-like yeah. environment. Yeah, but is that the only way? Is it? Do you do any of that sort of? I mean, you don't. Around or? I wouldn't advise it because um, if you do open up a cask and um, you know you could you could feed it a little bit of sugar, but um, you know there should be enough residual sugar from the brewery to facilitate uh, the yeast. For that year, um, as long as yeah, as long as you keep it at the right temperature and you keep it happy that way. Um, if you try and do any adulteration of the cast, you're always going to lead to uh, well. Firstly, you're going to lose any carbonation that's already been built yeah. up in the cask, and then secondly, you're going to you potentially can introduce microorganisms. So, you, so ultimately, you wouldn't be doing yourself or the beer anyway. No, so yeah, I'd say temperature is your number one thing as 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 a cellarman. Time and temperature is your is is your two is your two things really when it comes to conditioning beer. Mm-hmm. You said this is the you've been doing this since well we're talking about the 150th anniversary. You said the 1880s, so it's about 140 years. What's the oldest version you've tried of the tally ho? Oh. I think we had some old bottles from the eighties that we might have tried. Nineteen eighties, nineteen eighties or eighteen eighties. Oh no, definitely. Not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sorry. Oh, yeah, I don't know how much that would be worth. Like, yeah, oh no, I think nineteen eighties. I think we've tried a bottle. I think that's the oldest. Yeah, um, 
it's actually a very particularly because uh, as you can see it's bottle conditioned so um, it really helps for aging it in the bottle as well mm -hmm. um, yeast is an amazing oxygen scavenger so even even in a bottle uh, with, the, with the crown you know oxygen can can get into the bottle and it's not always a bad thing in fact actually you know um, a little bit of oxidation in the cellar once you breach the cask can, can sometimes be a good thing for the flavour and uh, not too much though um, so but the yeast yeah the yeast is a great oxygen scavenger so it will keep the beer nice and fresh and again if you, you need to keep the yeast healthy so store it at, at the right temperature um, you don't want to kill the yeast because that can lead to um, off flavours you know yeast autolysis can create some of those more meaty uh, aromas but um, sometimes you know that bit of umami is part of the character of some beers but yeah. um, it's not, not, it's not in tally home. No it's not yeah. the one I generally am looking for I have to be even no. in the bigger beers because it's sort of what seven percent or seven two? Seven two yeah. Um, I mean as barley wines go it's not the biggest is it? In that no. Respect. I mean there are no, I mean, barley seven, wines tend to be yeah. upwards of ten percent these days. Yeah no absolutely yeah so. Um, Any Thoughts of doing it bigger? I'm thinking of Tally Ho in 750 for the 150th anniversary. Yeah. Double I mean, Tally Ho. Yeah. Be, <laughs> yeah. Imperial Tally Ho. Imperial. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, tally Ho Ho Ho. No, so you've done that one already. Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> I drank that one recently actually. The, the, the Christmas version that you did this back yeah. in 2014. I think. It was 2014. Yeah. Was something like that. Yeah. yeah. It's called Tally Ho Ho. Mm. Yeah. It didn't taste any different. It was just yeah. the label was different. <laughs> yeah, tell you how it was. A little Christmas hat on it. Yeah. So, how long have you been? So, you've been a head brewer now, what, a couple of years? Uh, at least officially, anyway. Uh, yeah, Fergus <laughs> always says it was something different, but yeah, <laughs> uh, it's been about a yeah, year. Well, you tell us the true story. Fergus, yeah. Fergus won't know this bit. Yeah, it's been about a year, so yeah. And been with Adnams? 11 years. Okay, so yeah. quite a while. Yeah, so. It's well, so, alright. So, tell us, what's your beer brewing background? So um, I was really lucky to sort of um, grow up in a pub, and um, good start. And <laughs> uh, they brewed their own beer for the pub, so it was all cast beer, and yeah, just got fascinated in in cast beer. Um, you know, everything around the Sullivan ship, particularly you know, and you must have it when you drink cast beer. It's that those eureka moments with cast beer, isn't yeah. it? Um, you know, when something's just drinking, I'm trying to find that peak window for mm. cast beer, and um, I've never really lost that. Um, do you still look? Do you, you still, and you still look for that something? Because we, had, we, yeah. we were in a pub not far from here, and it wasn't a bad experience, but we had two pints of ghost shit, but it was one was the end, and one was the start. Sure. And there was a noticeable difference. Yeah. That, that would, that it, was, it was like a different beer. No, absolutely. And um, yeah, it's kind of hard to educate people that um, through the cask, it will change. and quite dramatically sometimes, you know, um, things like our cast bitter, for example, has um, a dry hop, so, you know, you've got beer sitting on those hops, so, you know, as you come further down, you know, it really dries out and becomes much more tanniny. Um, some people will say, oh, it's like the bald side in the middle of the cask, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, no, there's definitely, definitely differences, and, um, yeah, drink the cask quick. And that was something you learned to... Uh learn about and appreciate so when yeah. you're talking about so this is your parents pub was it a free house or it's a free house so yeah um they managed it and um yeah um just got fascinating the brewing process and then um yeah when yes i was 18 years old um oh wow it's 
there's a brewing degree in in Edinburgh. I think was that the Harriet Watt? Harriet Watt. Yeah. So it's like that sounds pretty good. So that when did I? That was two thousand five. Um, I went to Harriet Watt, and um, yeah, it was such an amazing experience. Um, yeah, loads of other brewing students, brewing students from all over the world. Um, living in Edinburgh is amazing. I loved my hiking, so another draw to go to Edinburgh is to... Oh, that must have been amazing that if you like the hiking as well. Yeah, so... Some, yeah. You don't even have to go that far, do you? No, so, um, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a no-brainer at the time. Um, and, yeah, I guess I've been quite lucky. I guess I've always, I guess, I always said uh, I used to be naive, now I'm just ignorant, but... <laughs> I've, I've always been pretty, pretty lucky, and I guess I just loved beer and didn't really think too much of the future. Um, just kind of kept following the passion for beer, and um, yeah, sort of decided whilst I was doing my degree that um, I'm going to graduate, and I've never really going to, I've never really worked in a commercial brewery. So I decided to take a voluntary year out, um, worked at Fuller's for a year. Um, and then went back, finished my studies, um, and then yeah, moved back to Suffolk looking for brewing jobs. So, so any um, any names that we'll be familiar with from your time at Fuller's that you crossed um, paths with? So Derek Prentice was was at Fuller's at yeah, the time. Yeah, never, never heard of Derek Prentice. Um, <laughs> then yeah, made some really good good friends like Rob Topham, um, who's at Camden Town. Um, so yeah, there's some. And Fergus did. Fuller's as well, Fergus, Fergus was yeah. there, yeah. We our paths didn't cross. Um, but my ex boss, um, Paul Fai, who who's who's still at Fuller's, um, he knew Fergus from his college days and they all came over uh, and worked at Fuller's together. Um, so I was kind of under um Fergus's radar because Paul said, Well, you know, there's a there's a brewer in Suffolk who's um just graduated, so um, he kind of connected us, um, had come round um, when I, I was still sort of um, studying at the time, but had come, come round Adams and had a look and, um, and then the sort of job came up just as I'd sort of finished and graduated, so it was kind of the stars aligned sort nice, of, so nice to time. So yeah, no, I feel I've been very, very lucky and feel very fortunate really. So. It, it, it must have been nice to have ended up with, with, with a job at a brewery that wasn't really too far from home either. Yeah, I mean, at the time I was, you know, I wanted to be a ski bum and brew beer. That was <laughs> so I was looking at jobs, you know, in Canada and stuff like that to be in the mountains and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, certainly. Um, We're definitely lacking mountains at this part yeah. of East Anglia. <laughs> um, yeah. um, the odd hill. Yeah, but no, I, I, I love it round here and um, yeah, I think. There's a real sense of home, and um, like so many friends have moved back, and um, yeah, I've got my family here, so yeah. I've yeah, so where, but was it Bungie where you? So Bungie that's what, 10 miles? Yeah, yeah roughly. Yeah. 10 miles to yeah, South a bit more, but yeah. yeah, it's not about half an hour drive for sure. So, so is there any, any beers? Obviously, we, you know, we know that Ghost Ship essentially was Fergus's baby at the time, but presumably you're more with that and refine the process. Is there, is there any of the beers that you've been? Really, you could say this is. I I I, I developed this one. Yeah, I guess. Um, I say they're always collaborative within the brewery. I guess um, you know. I think we all have a hand in the beers. We all have our signature on the beers from not just me and Fergus, but um, what the sales team want. How you know 
uh, our quality team, everybody has an integral part. So I think we all have ownership over these yeah. beers. And, um, you know, beers do evolve over time. And, um, you know, our, our trick as brewers is to try and make them as consistent and try and make those changes as slow as possible. Um, but yeah, I think I wouldn't like to take credit for anything. I think it's, uh, I think it's a we're a community and I think we all have ownership over the beer. So. I, th- I think that's great because I think uh, a lot of people will view Adnams as being a big regional brewery. Yeah. But they possibly don't see that real team ethic that sits underneath yeah. that. that you, you do all pull together to, to make sure the beers are right and mm. to make sure you're developing them and essentially staying, keep tr- keeping up with trends as well. You, you know, you're never... You're never going to produce a hazy double IPA, are you? Sure. Because that's not what the, not what the most of your market wants. No, um, and Fergus is, you know, I think that was one of the the um, the reasons why I came to Abnums is that um, in Fergus there was someone who really appreciated the traditional um, the beers and wanted to to do them justice and um, you know remain loyal to them, but there was also the other side of the beers of the world um, that you wanted to explore other styles and, you know... Um, Cause so you, yeah, because you've branched out. It's not like yeah. you've only got a core group of six beers. I mean, your beers can be found in all four <coughs> formats. I mean, Ghost yeah. Ship is available, cask, keg, on, on bottle, format. Can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you've also got beers like Innovation, which isn't your standard... IPA. Yeah, I mean, amazing beers. Yeah, yeah, one of my favourite beers. And, yeah, you know, um, it's it 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 really is a shame that you have to. Co- well, it's not a shame that you have to come to Southwold, but it's a shame that you have to come to Southwold to get that on keg. Yeah, because it's it's the only place you can get yeah. it on 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 draft. Sure, is is here. Yeah. I would love to see that beer in in more places. I think occasionally you you may see bottles of it occasionally yeah. in co-op. Yeah, I guess the hard thing with innovation is. Um, you know, it's six point seven percent. So for on trade, it's it's a maybe tr- a bit of a tough sell. It's yeah. a tricky beer. Yeah. So, um, but again, even when that first came out, it was like, oh, well, this is a bit different to what used to. It's very different from what what you guys would normally play out, isn't it? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, so yeah, I think we've we've um, we sometimes probably give ourselves a bit of a hard time, but I think we sort of um, navigate and stay true to ourselves and. Um, you know, we, we we don't try and be something that we're not, but we're, you know, we 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 like beer, so we you know as as brewers we want to try and yeah. produce different styles of beer. Yeah. That, Which I presume is more that, in, more interesting for you, isn't it? Yeah, I think the greatest bit of advice was brew beers that you want to drink. So hmm. luckily, I love bitter. So. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna brew another bitter. Yeah, you've you've done this collab with Sierra Nevada, which uh, is a coming together of. Two of our favourite breweries, and it's it's like a dream collab. How was that for you go, go, going through that process? Because they're a, they're a big name. Yeah, I mean, going back to my sort of Edinburgh days, though, you know, um, you know, the craft bit. When I first, very first started university, that was the very first year of Brewdog, and you know, there was a kind of change happening in this sort of UK beer scene, and there used to be a lovely bar in Edinburgh, and always had Sierra Nevada and you know we were trying to mimic that beer in the in the brewing school you know um, so you were that you were that impressed with it yeah that early on that yeah. you thought okay 
can we can we make something a clone? Yeah, actually. Yeah, so you know that that brewery's always had um, you know a, a close a closeness in, in my heart, and uh, particularly on the sustainability side, and 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 what they've done, and just how forward thinking, uh, and then. On top of that, when I first started here, we had a service engineer called Fritz from Gear, uh, originally from the Hotman Brewery, and I would sort of live vicariously through his experiences with Ken, because Fritz, you know, and Ken were very good friends, and um, he did a lot of his commissioning of the brew houses, an uh, expert on Lauertans, so I, hear, I heard all these stories through Fritz, and, you know, so then to have the opportunity to do a collab, it was like, yeah, this is really this is really cool. You went, really something special. You went, I'm up for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At what moment did you have to sit down and go, okay, so this is really happening? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I guess it was just, yeah, it's just been lovely to, to sort of meet Scott and just talk beer and geek out and, yeah. And just to be clear, I mean, we've been here throughout the, the brew day um, and you two were geek, to want of a better phrase, were geeking out just because some of the kit is similar, the software running the kit is similar. Yeah. You can see that you two were just chatting away about it, mm. and there was this instant connection because there was a something in common straight away. Yeah. It yeah, was wonderful absolutely. to just watch that happening, I have to admit. We, we, we've, we've been spending a lot, apart from the few recordings we've done, most of it's been just watching other people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of similarities between the two breweries as well, aren't, aren't there? People, people wouldn't yeah. necessarily see that straight away, sure. but, but the, the, the ethos and the philosophy that you both breweries have... Oh, the independence, the families... Are, are, are very, very similar, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, and they've, you know, I mean, they're sort of 42 years old or whatever now, and they've still managed to stay relevant. Um, you know, they're, they're quite an old brewery when it comes to the American craft scene, so, you know, hats off to them and... They've, yeah, they've, they've still stayed relevant and um, I guess we see a similarity in ourselves. We feel like we've still s- stayed relevant, um, so, or at least we I, hope. I, 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 I'm <laughs> saying so. definitely, in the last 10 years, there's definitely a, a yeah. step up. I mean, getting the stuff into more small pack, I think the Jack Brands range, and because we've often spoke, especially a few years ago, about regionals, trying to break into this craft, for want of a better phrase, market. Sure. Um, and a lot of them have really just failed miserably. They just think they just need to do a bit of maybe rebadging, renaming or tweak, tweak things. Yeah. Whereas your your beers under the Jack Brand range are actually just different. Yeah, I, I think we had lots of discussions about this and I guess there's no right or wrong, but um, we shouldn't, I think the decision was you shouldn't try and have a craft arm where you're trying to disguise who you are because we are who we are. So mm. having the Jack Brand range, we're, that's still identified as adnums, but we can do associate with different styles. So, you know, we're not hiding under 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 any illusion that we're, we're trying to, we're not ashamed to be who we are, so. Yeah, so things like the Mosaic, the Ease Up IPA, obviously the innovation. Mm. Yeah the dry hop lager. I mean, Innovation's quite an old beer for us now. It's 15 years old. Yeah, yeah, because that was that was brewed to... Was that brewed to celebrate a new building basically, initially, basically wasn't it? Basically, a new brew house, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, it was about innovation, yeah. And, um, you know, we've got a, a louder ton. Um, so, we essentially, we've got a very European-style brew house. And mm-hmm. at the time, 
you know, we were at traditional cast breweries, like, can you brew cast beer in a German lager? Right. I remember doing the tour, <laughs> you doing know? The tour in like 2012, 2013, and all the explanation about how you did it all set up, mm. had to sink the floor, so you yeah. had to fit it all in, um, and it was definitely kit, but I didn't expect for Adams. Yeah. Knowing what the pubs were like, and mm. generally a lot of the output of the beers, sure. that and the kit didn't, mm. I couldn't work it out. Like, yeah. But proof, proof is in the, you know, the tasting, and the beers was still very good and like I said it's given you the opportunity to expand yeah and develop and you know bring back some old beers as yeah, well sure so I mean some of the technology in the brew house well, you know isn't necessarily that new at the time but you know you think it's a no-brainer isn't it energy recovery um, you know we you know we can talk about the sustainability hat but you know these I think these are prerequisites, really, when you're designing anything, really, you know. Well, if you've got the chance to do the redesign, you know, then why not? Because yeah. surely sustainability, A, is good for the environment, good for the planet, good for the local area, but economically, surely it makes sense. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's an absolute no-brainer, isn't it, you know. Um, you know, whatever you can do, like the distribution centre's got the grass through, yeah. hasn't it, and all the water retention from that, so there's been lots of, well, innovation. So I suppose that's where the, uh, the yeah. Yeah. Name where it from. came from. It was very literal, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think isn't isn't that the story though? Didn't the, um, the the chairman at the time challenge Fergus to come up with something innovative? Exactly. So, so he came up with beer and he called it innovation. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Bang. Yeah. <laughs> Did it? <Yeah. laughs> the, the name's literally there on the bottle. Yeah. Yeah. But it's great. But you've still got all this back history of the beer. So you know we're drinking Tally Ho, but we're talking about innovation. But even mm. innovation is now. 14, 15 yeah, years yeah. old. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, you know, it, it, so obviously Eastern Edge, that's the big collaboration. Your one collaboration this year? Uh, yes, so, you know, we did quite a few last year um, and the emphasis was very much to, to, to on sustainability and um, having the opportunity to do a collab with Sierra Nevada, um, we really wanted to, to to have one and concentrate on that because that's such a special thing. So, um, yeah, we wanna, we wanna, we wanna get behind that fully and yeah. And you don't want to overshadow that with anything else, do you? I don't think we. Yeah, and it gives, you know, sometimes when you're doing lots of um, speciality beers, you know, sometimes it takes a little while for for the beer to get distributed and for people to. Mm. So it gives an opportunity for everybody to... You can really make the most out of this, yeah, don't you? I mean, sorry we've ruined your good day then, by turning up. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, Dan, we, uh, we, we've heard in, in these parts that there's, there's, there's quite the trend for blending Adnam's beers, and a little birdie tells us that you have a few blends of your own that, that, that you enjoy. I think we all do, don't we? I mean... Well, um, it's... Relatively new for us. We, we discovered last yeah. night that apparently the best version of Broadside <laughs> is, is, is half a pint of cask topped up with the bottle. Yeah, yeah, you can do that. But um, that was the first time I'd done it. Yeah, I mean, it's not an uh, Adnams thing per se, because, you know, you have mother-in-law. Um, so mother-in-law is Broad's Old Ale and Broadside? Or is it old and something else? Bitter. Uh, old and bitter. Old and bitter. Yeah. Old, old and I know, bitter. It, it okay. it's, it's kind of not quite, it <laughs> sounds horrible to say it these days. But that's the locals. Yeah. And, then name far, and then you have father-in-law. So what would that be? Old and mild. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, um, but do you have a mild? 
for a long time, yeah. I've, we actually brought it back maybe, I can't remember, maybe seven, eight years ago. Should we bring it back this year, shall um, we? <laughs> that's, that's way before Boxcar invented Mild. Yeah. <laughs> so, you couldn't help yourself, Steve. I, 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 I couldn't help myself. Couldn't help yourself. Yeah. Okay, so, but you would actually say that the, the blend, I know that obviously people blend uh, Ghost Ship and Ghost Ship Zero. Yeah, no, that's yeah. That definitely seems to be a popular one we've yeah. heard about. Yeah, um, and now I have to admit the broadside was delicious. The broadside yeah. blend was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really did add something to both sides yeah. of it. Um, is there any others? Is there any other surprises? Um, surprises. Um, Spindrift makes a really good blender. With anything particular, you can go pretty much any of the keg beers. Um, go ship on cask. Um, mosaic on cast, you yeah, know. So, is this a you thing, a Suffolk thing, or? I mean, in the pub I grew up, everyone used to blend. Just blend the beer. I mean, in years um, gone by, you used to have, uh, was it light and mild? Yeah. I mean, light and dark? Yeah, I think historically, I think when cast beer maybe wasn't at its best quality, um, people used to sink a bottle in just to give it a bit of life and just to, just to help it out a bit, but that wasn't uncommon, so. Um, well, I, th- I think if you go back further than that, we've, we've heard this before, haven't we, about uh, old London porters, yeah. Guinness in particular, of landlords mixing a fresh barrel with, a, with yeah. an older barrel to, yeah. to, to make the perfect yeah. version in, in, yeah. in their mind. And then you look at all the Belgian beers and, you know, blending is their ultimate tool when it comes to some of the lambics and all the rest of it. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, it's not uncommon though. So, no, no, no. Yeah. I probably I was always uh, I was definitely always of a mind that I'm gonna they put a beer into a bottle, a can, and give it to me yeah. in mind. Why would I want to mix around with it? Sometimes ABV is is a, yeah. is a driver. So in the pub we grew up, a lot of people, you know, there wasn't such a they had you know they did have choice of beers, but uh, a lot of the time it was just for ABV really, just to get it in the in the Bring right in, in the right spot well, in the right spot. Yeah. yeah. Oh, interesting. Fascinating. I'm just well, yeah. I, I think I probably need to do the broadside one again though. Yeah. Later. Later. <laughs> Ab- absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, they're quite different beers, even though they come under the same yeah. brand. Or Don't start us on that. I oh, think actually, they should be called you, different beers. Do you think so? Yes. Yeah. The bottle, I think the broadside. I, I agree, actually. I the think stronger it version is, it feels is like it is broadside. Yeah. yeah. Whereas. I would, if I was Edmunds, 150 a year. What would you call it? I don't then, know. Have a competition. One. I would know. I'd leave the have strong someone one. Someone name it. Yeah. I'd have the strong one as the outside original. No, that's what. That's what we. That's what's, yeah. that's what's on Untapped now, just to differentiate it. But yeah. broadside, the six percent plus version, yeah. feels like that's the broadside. That's that's the version for for me. I yeah. would I would take that over the cask version. Every yeah, day. I mean, I, I love the cask as well, but um, I mean, we. I don't know if you know, but. We, we do tasting every day and, um, you know, for quality control reasons and the beer that we finish on every day is bottled poolside. And the game we play is guess how old it is. So we blind taste it and we have to see, and we have to sort of guess how, how old it is in the bottle. And it's, um, it's really difficult. The bottle does last, I remember it's, it's accidentally aging broadside before because yeah. it just got pushed to the back of a cupboard. Yeah. It does that, right. that is a game I'd very much yeah. like to play. Um, <laughs> and I have to say, it's our most consistent beer. Like, it is incredible, yeah. It's a, a lovely beer to brew. Um, the profile of it's amazing, so yeah. It's I, I, I love it. I, I have a bottle of it every Sunday with, yeah. with my roast. 
Yeah. Because as, as far as I'm concerned, it is the perfect beer to go with a roast dinner. Yeah. And it's it's just become a bit of a tradition for me. I, w- I will always have a bottle in the mm. in in the fridge ready to go on a Sunday. Yeah. yeah, it makes good gravy as well. I've, I've never tried that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you've never tried Why that. Why have I never tried this? Yeah. You you got the bottle open and you didn't think that was a good idea. I'm so having broadside <laughs> yeah. gravy so now, on Sunday. So now you need two bottles. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because you're going to have one right. open while you're cooking to do the gravy and then one to, to drink yeah. while you uh, eat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've, just doubled, we've just doubled your No, I don't, I don't drink it while I'm cooking. It's but you will now because you have to, to add to the gravy. To add to the gravy, yeah. So you need two bottles. <laughs> okay, yeah, welcome to the uh, gravy o'clock. So ba- ba- basically, <laughs> basically, Dan has just upped your intake of broadside. Of broadside on a Sunday, okay. yeah, doubled it. How doubled much it. gravy do you drink? <laughs> Not that much. <laughs> yeah, but it's a bit like Keith Floyd. He only had a dash of wine. Yeah, this this is true. Um, <laughs> way off track here. <laughs> Dan, it's it, it's been great chatting with you. Um, it's thank you for uh, spending the day with us at the brewery as well, and and, and sharing some beers with us and, and your experiences. I've I've really enjoyed this tally. It's obviously it's, it's it's down. It's uh, down. Yeah, 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 really very good and. Um, yeah, it's been a pleasure hosting yeah. you. It's um, yeah, it's really nice to have days like this. Brew days like this don't happen very often, so to be able to share it with you, it's been it's been great fun. Lovely. Thank, thank you. Thank you, very you much. so much. Yeah. Cheers. 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 So that was Dan, and I think one of the things that really stood out for me was the, the how he was saying that there are a lot of similarities between Adams and Sierra Nevada, which again, obviously, we didn't pick up on. <laughs> Maybe it's because you're too close to it. We're blind to it. Mm. Maybe you take that step back. You understand it. I, I don't. I don't get it. But again, it was another one of those interviews. Like, yeah, why didn't we know that, Steve? Why didn't we see it? Why didn't we get it? Um, I don't know. It's. It was a. You know. A, what, you know. Um, what you definitely got from Dan was like. You know, we'd spoken about time and place, but for him, time and place is all about his upbringing, the areas lived oh, in. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Growing up within a pub environment. It's all about that Suffolk coastal area as well. Yeah. And he's very big on that. And like you said before about the collaboration, it wasn't just about this one big collaboration between Adams and Southport and um, Adams here in Nevada. It was about the collaboration within the brewery. You know, because we are, you know, we asked a question about the whole ghost ship thing. Who's, you know, who owns ghost ship kind of thing. And, you know, Fergus said it. And then Dan, you know, Fergus said, well, Dan's taking it on. These kind of things, we're trying yeah. to find out. Trying to, we were trying to eke out them. So we you know which of the recipes are yours, that kind of stuff. And you know they wouldn't fess up, would they? It, well, it, it feels like, and and I know this might sound a bit cliche, but it feels like they're a family. Yeah, that they 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 are a family of people that work for a business. In this instance, Adnams, and and they all absolutely love being part of that family. And doing what they do for it. Well, it's definitely. I well, either it's been completely true to what they're they're doing and saying, or they were very good actors and actresses on the day. Um, mm. I'm going to go with the former. I'm going to go with the former. Yeah. But you know, but uh, two things. Blending. Yeah. Mad. Now, <laughs> well, again, we have spoken about this before, and I was very much of the opinion about. Well, no, you've brewed a beer one way. Why should I? Mix it. Yeah, you've never really been a fan of the idea, no, no, have you? No, no, no. But <laughs> the broadside blend. We discovered the most amazing thing, didn't we? That uh, uh, apparently 
half a pint of cask broadside topped up with bottled broadside is potentially the best version ever. It's the best version of broadside. Now, I don't know if you can just walk into a pub and, and do both, but the... And we spoke about it, so the night before the recording stayed in my brother-in-law's, and we did do it. Well, you, you say about not being able to walk into a pub and do it. When I went back to Southwold recently for the, the launch of this beer, before we went to, to that event, we had a quick pint in the in, in the Crown, and a local came in, and he walked up to the bar, and he went, can I have half a bit of half a broadside? No! And, and no word of a lie, the, the, the fella got the pint glass... Half a bitter, half a broadside, straight into the same glass. And I sat there and I was like, that's what I want now. <laughs> so Dan had a name for that one as well, didn't he? Uh, he had a name for some of them. Not, I'm not sure for that one. Not not bitter and broadside. There was one for bitter and mild and bitter and old owl. Oh, yeah. But there wasn't one for bitter and broadside. And that happened while you were there? Literally sat I there. Haven't, I haven't seen that. For, and, and then he went back for a second pint. I haven't seen as, that for decades. As, as well, and I literally sat there and I was like, wow. I, I, I life seen, goals. Because basically we're talking light and, the, the light and dark, yeah. aren't we? Um, and then, how you never knew this, broadside gravy. Yeah, I know, because we, we, we got into a conversation about, obviously, I've, I've got a big thing about having a broadside for my Sunday dinner. And I mentioned that to Dan, and he simply said, well, do you do broadside gravy? And I was like... Never even considered it, but but now it's a thing I need to consider. <laughs> I've not done it yet, but no, that's because you need to have another bottle now. It's it's in the plan because yeah. you need to have the bottle for the gravy and the bottle to drink while you're doing it. Yeah, and then the bottle while yeah. you're having it. So yeah. we've just, like I said before, we've just upped your consumption, haven't we? Absolutely, yeah. Blame it Dan. Was, <laughs> it, it was it was great to chat to Dan, um, and obviously Dan wasn't the only brewer involved in the day because obviously Scott Jennings was over from oh, sorry, Sierra I thought, Nevada. I thought you meant me and you. As, as well. Oh yeah, we were there as, as well, but Scott was over as well, and as we say, he's the innovation brewmaster for Sierra Nevada. And the next interview that you're going to hear is us chatting to Scott, and we talk about his history with Sierra Nevada, which is it's it's, it's fascinating to listen to. Yeah, actually, is his his journey as well um how they're distributing uh beer in the u.s and also innovation and in particular the origins of the torpedo beer started in uh, chico california at the home brewery there the original brewery um and uh, ever since then i've done a number of different uh jobs at the brewery uh, it's it's definitely evolved over time <laughs> but uh I'm presently uh, living in uh, North Carolina. I don't know if you, you know this, but we, we built a new brewery uh, in the eastern um, U.S. around seven, eight years ago. Uh, maybe we've been open um, for seven there now. Uh, but uh, anyway, I moved out there from California to kind of build that and start it up and, and get that all going. And um, well, it's quite a shift, though, isn't it? I mean, California to North Carolina. Yeah, it's a shift in lifestyle, home. It's not like when we move, we have to move. Oh, not quite. We don't, we can move nowhere near as far and still think, oh, this is a long way away. Yeah, I mean, how far is it from California to North Carolina to put it in context? Oh, let me see. Probably uh, nearly three thousand miles. <laughs> oh, that's just bonkers. Yeah. yeah. That's that's quite a shift thing. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's a lifestyle change in family, schools, yeah, colleges. Is. Yeah, it's a cultural change. You know, it's really a very different place. 
um, you know, okay, it's the same country, but you know, very different places. Yeah. What was the decision of Sierra Nevadas to open somewhere else? Because obviously, yeah, we, 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 you know, Chico's like this sort of got a status for definitely for Steve and I, for a lot of other people. It's on the list places mm-hmm. to go to where it all started. So, what was the decision to open somewhere a so far away and be quite large? as well it's a large site you've got there isn't it it's big yeah yeah um well uh i I guess to the first part of your question why uh well the the chico brewery was at capacity so we we couldn't really make any more beer um which is you know on the one hand a great problem but it's still a problem (laughs) you know and so um we had probably some options to expand in uh in chico there's some room there there's some unoccupied space still um, we could have expanded there but um, you know we're nationally distributed to a very limited degree internationally distributed so obviously we send a little bit of beer to the UK not that much but uh, uh, shipping is a really big part of that you know uh, it's very very expensive to send uh, beer all the way across the country um, particularly refrigerated and so um, having had national distribution for years and years prior to building the East Coast Brewery, um, you know, sending beer all the way to Florida, for example, uh, was really not profitable. But we did it because we wanted to control the quality. And so, you know, if, if we didn't, you know, send refrigerated containers all the way from California to Florida, somebody would. And uh, we couldn't guarantee that the beers would be treated nicely. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's sort of a quality control thing. We really wanted to have uh, the ability to influence that. And of course, uh, uh, you know, from, from the East Coast Brewery now, we can supply the entire eastern half of the United States uh, much more efficiently, much more effectively. Uh, so, and so, so we were able to take the pressure off of the Chico Brewery too by kind of, you know, cutting their production down a little bit. Because obviously Chico's grown over time, hasn't it? Yeah. Organic growth yeah. from the start. Um, presumably everything was purpose built planned with expansion in mind as well at North Carolina uh, yeah but we've already filled that up really <laughs> bloody hell <laughs> yeah but, but, but it's a good point what you said uh, is uh, in Chico over the years um, you know on a lot of different expansions and various ways you know the brewery is um, not linear at all it's very uh, fragmented there's you know stuff everywhere um, and um, when we uh, when we built the new brewery we started from scratch and so we you know tried to take all the lessons from the prior 30 years and put them into play in the new design and we're able to build a lot of efficiencies in it's much more sustainable uh, in certain ways it uses less energy it uses less water um, a lot of things uh, we were able to improve upon um, but, um, you know, why the East Coast? Okay, shipping. Um, it's kind of a funny story. The original idea was that it would be a, just a production brewery. It was, you know, we would uh, not have visitors, not have tours. It would be, you know, uh, nothing fancy, just a production brewery. Oh, that was the original uh, layout idea. Yeah, and it very quickly turned into something very different from that. Um, it is very much a tourist destination. 
Well, we saw the pictures today. Did you? Um, and yeah. it's like an amazing place. Yeah, yeah. It is. inside and out. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been to a lot of breweries, and um, you know, I, I really think I can um, say without bias that I think it's the most beautiful brewery I've ever been to. It does look awesome. And Chico's still right out there on the list. Yeah. yeah. I, I never knew that Mills, Mills Brews. Mills River. Mills River yeah. was on my list. It's now right up there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's closer. Yes. He's, yeah. uh, so does, does the beer we get in the UK come from yeah, your site? all of it, yeah. Is that, yeah. again, capacity or just that it's closer? Uh, mostly that it's closer. There could be a few things that you would find here that do come from Chico still, and they would be small batch things. Um, for example, um, our barley wine, Bigfoot, would come from Chico. Right. Um, maybe a few other things. I don't know if you ever get any of our, uh, say, barrel-aged beers or anything like that. Oh, we've had some of the Trip in the Woods. Up recently. Okay. Some of those ones we've had. Yeah, um, that would come from Chico. Yeah. I mean, the most recent new beer we had was the Atomic, Atomic Tapino. Yeah, that would come from Mills River. Yeah, and yeah. just say that was awesome. Oh, good, 8. good. 8.2, 8.2%. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I probably could have yeah. done it with a slightly smaller can, but it didn't It didn't take too long to drink it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the, the first of what we're putting out, um, you know, in the, the next year or two, um, sort of an expansion on our classic Torpedo IPA, mm-hmm. which I think has been around for here, maybe well-known. Oh, we did. Yeah, okay. Well, this is basically, you, you first find Sierra Nevada's the payload. Yeah, the classic. Yeah, yeah. And then you suddenly discover there's a, there's this one which is about another one and a half percent bigger, and everything's mm-hmm. just amped up, mm-hmm. and that's the that's the torpedo. Um, and then you've got now you've got it's your Tommy torpedo to meld the east and west coast styles. The torpedo thing, the the, the story behind torpedo, the actual name of it, mm-hmm. it's quite an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is um, uh, sort of an, a nickname, ultimately, for a dry hopping process that we uh, were sort of forced into, in a way. Um, are you familiar with our um, Celebration Ale? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So that's um, a, a very uh, historic brand for us. Um, it's an old brand, um, and it's a seasonal. And it comes out um, in, uh, oh, I guess uh, mid-September. And so it's only available uh, from then up until Christmas for the most part. But um, uh, dry hopping, so that's what this, this is, conversation is all yeah. about. So dry hopping with the whole cone hops, um, the traditional way, and we still do this on Celebration Ale, um, not exclusively, but um, you, you basically take the whole cone hops, which are, you know, um, if any of the listeners don't know this, they're essentially a dried flower. <laughs> You know, and uh, and you stuff it in a bag, uh, and the bag is uh, you know maybe about the size of a pillowcase, and it's uh, a, a mesh material, and then you you put these bags in the tank, and you can't just you know throw them in because they float. You have to anchor them down, and, and a whole lot of other things have to happen. Um, but uh, in order to, to dry hop in that way, you have to be able to open up the fermenter, and get them in there, and you have to be able to get them out again. And not every fermenter that we have at the brewery is um, possible to open up and, and do this with. And so um, around about, uh, let me think, maybe, uh, maybe around 2008 or nine, we started uh, having the, the problem where, where we just could not grow Celebration Ale because 
we could we didn't have any more tanks that we could open up and and put the hot bags in and so uh, the challenge was to create a way to dry hop with whole cone hops specifically that did not involve having to do that and so we started playing around with uh, an old uh, water filter you know maybe I don't know about a, a meter and a half high and um, I don't know um, uh, just a, a bell-shaped water filter housing where uh, normally inside would be you know a bunch of membranes you know yeah and so you take all those out and fill it full of hops and then take that to the fermenter and run the beer through it oh so you do it the other way around almost the other way around bring, yeah. bring the beer to the hops rather that's, than that's right the other way around yeah and so uh and this, so this hadn't been done before uh, well, I would I wouldn't say that, but but uh, or not on scale. No, not on scale, and and certainly not in, in the way that we ended up working it out. Um, you know, it sounds like a pretty simple proposition mm-hmm. to do that, but it turns out to be a lot more to it. <laughs> like like many things, there's a lot more to it, and uh, so we uh, we failed a lot. You know, we had a lot of uh, problems with plugging up when you couldn't get flow, and uh, or you couldn't keep the oxygen out, or whatever you know a lot of things uh, went wrong you know and do you flow top down or bottom up or um, any of those things and um, at any rate uh, after a while of working on this project uh, at the end of uh, celebration season we weren't done yet we hadn't figured it out we hadn't worked out all the problems and so we we kept on with the work and um, but we changed the the base beer recipe a little bit uh, because we, we no longer needed Celebration Ale because the season was done. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, lightened up the color a little bit uh, and, um, you know, dried the beer out a little bit more and uh, changed the hops a little bit. And eventually uh, we got to the point where uh, the system worked. And, uh, you know, so the first time that we didn't screw it up in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> and so we put it on in the tap room, and we called it Torpedo, just because uh, the dry hop vessel that we were working with sort of resembled a torpedo. Uh, it was this real tall, narrow uh, vessel, and, and it was real tippy, so we had to put a base on it, and the base was sort of wide, almost looked like fins or something. Mm-hmm. So we called it the Torpedo. And then we put the beer on in the tap room as Torpedo, and the name just stuck. But the, the intention was never to create purposely torpedo. No, no. The, this was all about maximizing celebration. It was, yeah, it was. <laughs> what a fantastic yeah. byproduct <laughs> <laughs> of trying to get the most out of yeah. one beer. What a nice moment of serendipity that was. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was somewhat accidental, uh, the creation of that brand. Uh, but, um, you know, and so now to this day with Celebration Ale, we produce it with a combination of uh, torpedo dry hopping and the the old bag method of dry hopping, and, and that's still done with that brand. But Torpedo has always been with the Torpedo mm-hmm. vessel and the recirculation through the whole can hops, uh, is, like that. Is Celebration produced at both breweries? Yeah. No, yep. as well? Yeah. Hence why there's probably now more of it. While we're able to get older. Yeah, while we're able to see it in the UK. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Quite, quite big volumes as well we've seen certainly last year last year was more but maybe it's the first just time we've seen that much of it in the UK yeah. I think mm-hmm. no we really were just maxed out we just could not make any more of it um, so um, and we've run into that situation several other times for other mm-hmm. reasons but um, uh, it also played into uh, the 
decision to move ahead with a second brewery. Yeah, as I said, it was awesome. Definitely, that's definitely on the bucket list yeah. now. Well, I didn't need any further additions to my bucket yeah. list. It's quite expensive already. Yeah. <laughs> so, so having yeah. been with Sierra Nevada for 21 years, mm. there, there must have been an, a number of beers that are essentially yours, that, that, that you've developed yeah, yeah, in, in, yeah. in that time. What, what, what are the sort of beers that maybe we'd know that oh. uh, you're responsible for? Well, um, you're just talking about Torpedo. Um, gosh, there's been a lot. Um, I almost kind of um, struggled to recall uh, because <laughs> they all blur together. But up okay, until I guess we don't see that many Sierra Nevada beers here, do we? We just generally it's tend only the to last, see core range. It's only the last year since they started up the Cascade Cup has now become UK Sierra Nevada, but we started to see more yeah. options oh, okay. to get hold of it. Um, very much before that, it was two or three. It was it, well, it two was, of them, it was, it Torpedo it was, and Palau. And if you were lucky we Stumble. could get some torpedo yeah. mm-hmm. and then occasionally you might find a supplier that had celebration so what about um, I don't know you think about Reese Beer's Hazy Little Thing yeah yeah Hazy that one started out as um, just playing around with the style in our tap room mm-hmm. um, um, my um, head pilot brewer Matt Ruzich made that one uh, and uh, in the process of perfecting it became really much a team and, that, and that's a wheat based that's got a wheat uh, it has it. wheat in it it's not yeah. wheat based it's still barley oh, okay. based uh, but it's got wheat um, and oats as well you know. what about the fantastic haze fantastic haze uh, yeah that is pretty similar but uh, just um, much Big higher <laughs> yeah we noticed yeah isn't a hazy little thing now your Second best-selling beer. It's the. It uh, is the first. It, it's always it's, it's beer. gone past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just this last year, it passed. Oh, really? Parallel. Yeah, it did. Wow. Yeah, it but is. but what's funny is is here. Uh, I actually ordered one uh, just yesterday, uh, just because I wanted to, to you know check it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it was very good. Uh, by the way, it was fresh, so the distribution system is is pretty good here for sure. But um, the. The beer that you get as hazy little thing is not the same it's beer, isn't it? Yeah, as yeah. what we have as hazy little. Thing. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. The version we get is it's a, it's lower ABV. It's, it's, it's four point eight percent, I believe. And what's you, so? What's your regular hazy little? Uh, ours is uh, right at seven. Oh, oh yeah. I feel cheated now. Yeah, it's it's a different. <laughs> Mine was three percent. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a different beer, and then, uh, I, I guess. Uh, uh, it took me a second to uh, remember that fact when I ordered it yesterday. Yeah. But um, what's, yeah. what's the reasoning behind that? Um, well, um, I think that uh, um, I mean I can only tell you what what I've heard uh, is that um, there's more of a demand for lower ABV beers here uh, as compared with uh, in the U.S. where it seems to be the other way around. Actually, well, I think what the few times I've been to the U.S. the ABV isn't talked about as much. Yeah. Whereas over here, in the UK, we will de- a lot of people will start their conversation with, well, what's the ABV? So we think about where we are now, recording in Southwall, very much cask-led. You will rarely see around here a cask beer over, say, that 5%, or even a tap right. beer over 5%. Yep, yep. Because very much the UK market still looks at it and says, ooh, kind of that, mm. way too strong. Yeah, yeah, that, and that's what I'm talking about. So that's why, uh, if, if you look at the can, uh, it's uh, sort of a purple and golden kind of graphic, mm-hmm. and it actually says "Hazy Little Thing Session Edition" is what it says underneath the the, the main brand name. 
don't yeah. want to say it. I want the other one now. Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly thought you knew this. I no, I this, is, this is actually news to me that yeah. I've missed out on the one in... So Fantastic Haze, I know it's not quite the same beer, but that sits at nine. That's, yeah. that's the Imperial version. Yeah, yeah. which I think yeah. is lovely. It's, it's got these lovely beer. orange notes yeah. about it as well. Yeah. But then there's one in the middle. I've missed out the step in the middle. Yeah, and, and that's definitely my favourite. Um, it has... Um, and that's the biggest seller now for Sierra Nevada. It is, yeah. It is. Yeah. Okay, it, yeah, that's news to me. How, how long did it take you to get that recipe right? Because I, I'm, I'm guessing that Sierra Nevada produced that because that's where the market was going and you needed to have a presence in that space. Mm, pretty much, at, yeah. At the time. So, so how... How long did the recipe development take to get it to the point where you folks were absolutely happy with it? Um, not that long, really, um, with the exception of the haze itself. And, um, you know, we were just talking about this the other night, you know, and, 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 you know, centuries of brewing research has been dedicated to creating bright beers that stay bright. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know it's almost counterintuitive yeah. what they're trying to do. Yeah, and, and there's not a hell of a lot of research out there uh, for exactly the other way around. Um, you know, uh, you've got um, you know, Bavarian wheat beers or, or so on, for example, as uh, examples of purposefully hazy beers, wet beers, and there's many examples like that, but there's not a lot of research talking about how... Uh, uh, how exactly haze can be made to be stable in a beer over a long period of time. And that, that really has taken us um, better part of last year. We worked on it very, very hard. Um, and I think we've, we've been pretty successful in that. Uh, but it's very complicated. Uh, it's not just a question of, well, just don't filter it and it'll be hazy. Mm-hmm. Well, no, because... Then it will sediment out in in the package over it'll, time. It will just rest, won't it? Yeah, it will. And so um, anyway, uh, um, but there's there's a few techniques uh, involved there that, that are pretty, pretty tricky actually. But um, other than that, uh, I think we settled on uh, the flavor profile, the the balance of the the bitterness, which is fairly low, and the body, which is fairly full. Um, you know, it's got a creaminess. All that kind of stuff was was the easy part. Uh, but we do change the hopping periodically, and that has uh, to do with hop supply. You know, each year um, we might have to make a couple of small changes, but we do that very carefully with mm-hmm. a lot of test brewing to make sure that we're not really changing the beer. So people are still getting the same product yeah, yeah, year yeah. on year. That's right. Which, which does make sense and stuff. Yeah. I mean, but your 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 brewing hasn't been just at Sierra Nevada, although you've done twenty one years there. Mm. You 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 were in you were. Over here in the UK, weren't you? I was uh, very, very briefly um, in uh, the summer of 2001. I was an intern at Young's in London for one month. <laughs> one, one month, <laughs> yeah. Shortest yeah. internship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. But you know that that was uh, kind of my own uh, doing when I was in uh, I was in I was in Brunswick, in Germany. Prior to that, and um, I really, really wanted to get some experience in. Um, you know, um, distinctively British brewing, uh, because that's much more uh, of a historical base in U.S. craft brewing, uh, brewing than than say the, the German tradition mm-hmm. happens to be. Uh, so, um, so while while I was in brewing school uh, in Germany, I did write a whole bunch of letters, uh, and I, I think I used uh, uh, just one of the uh, brewing guidebooks of. of Great Britain uh, as my my 
Q book, <laughs> and I wrote a bunch of letters to a bunch of breweries, and um, Young's replied and said, yeah, sure, come on over. But I didn't have all that much time, so that's why it was just a month. Okay, but had quite a few visits to the White Horse and Parsons Green, oh, wasn't yeah, it? a lot, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good story. Uh, we uh, were staying in um, Earl's Court, and I would walk to um, Wandsworth, where the brewery was located, and about halfway in between uh, was Parsons Green, and the White Horse being uh, extremely famous. Uh, you know, um, even to, uh, you know, a, a, a American brewers at the time, mm-hmm. it was very well known, of course, yeah. and so I would stop in there all the time. Now that's, uh, and so you only did that for a month, and then it was Rock Cup at Sierra Nevada. Yeah. So did you have to write letters to there, or was it always on part of your plan to get to Sierra Nevada? It, it was part of my plan, but I, you know, did make contact with them, um, you know, a, a year prior to that. Um, I joined the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, uh, and through that organization, was able to get in touch with um, Sierra Nevada. I didn't know anybody there. Um, Ironically, I went to high school about 30 miles away from there. I'm from California originally, uh, but I didn't know anybody there. And so, um, you know, I just sort of a random contact, you know, um, sent a letter and said, you know, hey, here I am, here's my story. I'm interested in working uh, at Sierra specifically. Uh, Can I come and talk to you? And then they said, well, wouldn't hurt, I guess, you know, drop on by if you're in the neighborhood. And of course I wasn't, <laughs> but we went all the way out there. Um, and uh, Ken was, uh, you know, very uh, 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 you know, gracious enough to give me a little bit of his time. And we sat down and we talked a little bit. And, and then, you know, there wasn't any openings. They didn't have anything available. Uh, but I, I still really just wanted to go and, and talk, to, talk to him. And, and uh, let them know uh, that that is where I wanted to work, and I told them why. And, and anyway, um, I left there. Uh, true story, driving on my way to an interview at a different brewery, and um, and he called, and he said, "Well, something's come up. We got an opening. Uh, you know, if if you want to come on back." And so I did. I. Turn around right there. I didn't even go to the other interview. <laughs> I just said, all right, this is my chance. And, and, I, and I jumped right on it. And that's it? You've been there ever since? Yeah, that's right. And presumably a variety of positions to get to where you are now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, started as um, basic shift brewing. Um, you know, um, we do a rotating shift. We operate 24 hours a day, um, seven days a week. And so, um, you know, rotated through a lot of night shift, a lot yeah. of graveyard work over the years and then um, after uh, maybe four years of that um, and this is in Chico of course um, after about four years of that then um, uh, Ken decided to build a pilot brewery a ten barrel uh, research brewery and a lab completely outfitted with you know I mean the best available um, you know laboratory equipment for brewing science at the time um, it really rivaled the nearby um, UC Davis Brewing University in terms of mm-hmm. capability, uh, and so he decided to build that. And I was well, well, sorry when you say he decided to build it, that's with his own hands. Yeah, I, I yeah, yeah, we're being literal again, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, no, it's yeah. true. It's really true. Yeah, and then uh, so anyway, so uh, I was lucky enough to to get the job of um, head R and D brewer. Um, so I moved into that, and um, this was. Uh, maybe I don't know 
05, 06, somewhere in there. And um, at that time, up until that time, we hadn't really introduced in, in anything new in our portfolio in, in the years. You know, this is pre-Torpedo. Uh, we had pale ale, porter, stout, we did an American wheat, and we did a filtered version of the wheat that we called crystal wheat. And then we did, uh, you know, Bigfoot celebration, and we had a lager called Summerfest uh, for the summer. And that was more or less it. Uh, and so um, after we built the R&D brewery, that was when we started, you know, launching all kinds of new brands. Um, we did, oh, a Bavarian-style wheat beer called Kellerweiss. We did a bunch of rye IPAs, you know. I mean, I don't know how many versions of IPAs we have done over the years. We've, got the rye, we've had the rye IPA over here. So I've had that. Did you? Yeah. Uh, I think it was called Ruthless Rye. Yeah, very, very nice. Yeah, yeah. And the right balance, for me, the right balance of the rye. Yeah. Sometimes it can be a bit too, like, spicy, you know, yeah. peppery at the back of the throat. Yeah. I like the flavour and aroma of rye. Yeah. That characteristic isn't always what I'm looking for. Right. And it sat in a nice, sweet spot that I did. Yeah, yeah. That, that was really proud of that one. And, and that one I did work on for quite a while to get that balance that you're talking yeah. about. And, and I found that it really wasn't only about the rye. And more rye isn't necessarily better. Um, mm. So I found a, a really cool relationship between the rye, uh, the amount of rye, and uh, we used, uh, we found an experimental hop at that time. It was called uh, HBC 366. <laughs> I, I, I love those sexy names. <laughs> that they give yeah. right. But it's been, rena- it's been named, of course. Um, uh, over the years, we've, we've done a lot of work with hop growers and hop breeders to bring new varieties to the market you know for example we were the first ones to work with uh, on any kind of a scale the hop that eventually became citra uh, and was released into the market largely because we bought enough of it to promote the farmers to actually plant some acres to make it viable yeah yeah and so we've done that a number of times but one of those was this 366 and um, it had a kind of a piquant uh, kind of character to it, a little bit spicy, you know, uh, like, a, uh, like a bell pepper, you know, just a, a hint yeah. of a, a little bit of a spice to it. Uh, but the rest of it was mostly citrus uh, and pine, uh, but it had that little bit of a spice character. But combining that with the rye in the right proportions really made that beer good. So what did 366 become? It's uh, real now, it's new. Well, it became two different things. It became Equinox. Okay. And then that was renamed for trademark reasons at the, with the hop um, suppliers, mm-hmm. and now it's you cannot. Okay, recognize that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it tends to st- what, what does sorry I know this is a bit geeky. What does the HBC stand for? Because that tends to be how they all get coded, isn't it? HBC uh, and then a number. Yeah, that that is um, I uh, I believe it's the hop hop breeding council. Um, so it's part of the public uh, hop breeding. Oh, program. okay. So they're all yeah. kind of registered, I guess, through yeah. through that as, as yeah. they developed. Yeah. And then they're given a name. They are, if they take them. off. And, yeah. and, you know, once again, they won't take off. I mean, you know, you can't go to a farmer and say, we think this is a pretty good variety. Why don't you plant 10,000 acres of it? They'll say, are you crazy? <laughs> yeah, not doing it. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, somebody has to, you know, make some beers with them. And, um, you know, you've got to, you know, kind of show uh, that it really is viable. You need to show that there's going to be money made. Yeah, sure, yeah. Why would they take the risk when there's no reason for them to do that? So, 
Um, so uh, we, we, we've helped out in that a number of times over the years. Oh, and thank you for Citron. It's a good one. <laughs> yeah. On behalf of the whole of the UK, yeah. thank you. It's a great one. Yeah, it's a great one. Simcoe's another one uh, that turned out to be a really big one, Mosaic. Uh, and there's, you know, I don't know. Just all of the greatest hits. Well, <laughs> several yeah. dozen varieties that we're working with um, each year that just have, you know, numbers and very few of them go anywhere. But once in a while, you, mm -hmm. you really get a good one. Yeah. So here in the UK, uh, Adnams to, to brew this special collaboration beer mm -hmm. that, that you've done, which we'll, we'll chat about a little bit later on. What's coming up next for Sierra Nevada and your, yourself? What, what are the immediate projects that you're going to be involved in, in in the States and whether we're going to get to see any of those in the UK? Yeah, um, uh, well, beer-wise, we are working on some... We have a... a, a We've created a brand family, let's call it that, with around Hazy Little Thing. And in that family, we've got four different beers now. I don't know if you've seen them all. We have um, the original Hazy Little Thing, which I guess you don't see because you oh, get the session Stop, stop going on about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, was only, I was only just warming to you there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then we have, uh, then we put out there... Um, Wild little thing, uh, which is a uh, we've had that gums over here, that's, yeah. That's that's available, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah it's um hibiscus, um, and um, uh, you know, fruited, uh, it's it's mm -hmm. really very fruity, you know, it's very different than what, what we typically would do as yes. a brewery, very, very different, definitely. You know, um, um it's almost funny, uh, we, we sort of get typecasted a little bit, uh, and that people expect us to do just big, bold, full IPAs all the time. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, to be honest, that's really mostly what we do actually do. <laughs> but we are uh, you know, trying to expand a little bit. And so uh, we've got a, uh, this wild little thing. It's a fruited beer, uh, not bitter at all. Uh, it has a little bit of a tartness to it. Um, we have a, um, an imperial uh, called a Big Little Thing that's a 9%. Um, um, you know, East East Coast style uh, IPA. That one's been extremely. Uh, well, it's growing really pretty well. It's doing very well for us. And now we recently put in uh, the latest one called Sunny Little Thing, and that is um, another fruited beer. Uh, it's a wheat beer, uh, like a like a citrus wheat beer is what it is. Uh, nearly no hops, very low bitterness, uh, and that's um, really trying to uh, you know, broaden our audience a little bit. You know, not everybody. As much as I would like to think so, <laughs> not everybody is a hop head, <laughs> uh, and so you know we're really trying to make something for. Um, yeah, you've, got uh, stay, you've got to stay relevant. Yeah, you know, still will be making money to do all the other stuff you want to do. Yeah, um, and that is a big part of the market these days. It has shifted. Yeah, it has. It has. So, um, so, so those are those are new for us. Um, we will be um, continuing to put some new things out under that um, brand family. Um, and on, on those packages, the you know Sierra Nevada isn't uh, you know bold and, 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 and obvious on the label like uh, it is on Torpedo, for example. So presumably a deliberate decision just to, so people don't think you're typecast. Yeah, in a way, in a way, you know, um, diversity is uh, within the portfolio is really important, and it turns out to be really kind of hard to do. Um, we've never gotten into the seltzer game. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of glad. I'm really glad, to be honest. I'm quite glad. I think that's uh, come and gone already, yeah, yeah. you know. Uh, so that, that doesn't make sense to play around in at all. Um, we do uh, make a kombucha, 
I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know you did one. I've tried it. I mean, I haven't fallen in love with them, but we did. Again, it felt like that. I don't really see much of it this much now in the UK. There was a bit of a phase, like mm. 2018, 2019, and mm-hmm. maybe the pandemic didn't help that at all. But where does your sit percentage wise? Uh, well, we kind of do a couple different. We have a 7%er and we have a 4%er. Um, but, uh, you know, those are uh, also a very different thing than uh, what we're known for. Um, that's not under the Sierra Nevada brand. That's under a brand called Strange Beast. And it is really for specific markets. It's not, not, a, not a product for everyone. It's not a product for everywhere. Um, but it is uh, uh, actually still brewing. Yeah, you know, kombucha making is quite complicated as well. So, you know, it has a soul, as Ken likes to say. You know, he, he was always very much against the idea of doing a seltzer because he says there's no soul in seltzer. <laughs> and, uh, but kombucha really is a, a whole different thing. Um, so that's pretty small for us, and it's relatively new, and it's growing, uh, but slowly, uh, and again, only in certain areas where mm-hmm. that kind of thing this is more accepted and what, more what's popular. What's the low, no alcohol market like in the States? Because obviously we, we, yeah. we know that the big boys have their yeah. light versions, but do people like yourselves and other mm-hmm. you know, similar type of craft brewers, has that started to be something you're thinking about? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, it's funny, that one, I mean... NA beers have been available in the U.S. for, you know, many, many, many decades, um, but they've never really done that much. You know, if you look at some of the data in the U.S., those brands haven't grown really at all, you know, in 40 years <laughs> or something like that. Uh, and, but, but recently, recently, you've seen a lot of, of activity in the NA space, in, in craft brewing specifically. Um, it, there's been a, a resurgence of interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that is uh, that's been going on, uh, you know, in, in Europe for a long, long time. I think um, I, don't, I think I remember reading in Germany it's like 10% of beer sales or something. It's they, a really they, big. They've number. got a decent market because of their predominantly being the lager. Yeah, can, I think they can transfer those skills and mm-hmm. the flavor profile and how it how it comes across to the consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's taken a little while over here for us to move away from just those macro offerings from mm-hmm. those kind of people. And again, like I said, the US light beers. So yeah, it's been quite nice that there are now a few more no alcohol and low alcohol options. Yep. Yeah. Beers you might actually enjoy. Yep. 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 Um, I make one, and we actually have it on in our tap room um, at the brewery. Um, it's a hazy IPA. Um, it's very full flavored. Lots of hops in it. Um, I like it. It's a great after work beer. Mm. Um, or it's a great after a pint for the next pint before you drive home beer, uh, more appropriately. <laughs> but uh, uh, I'm, I'm not sure when and, and if we'll actually go to market with that. Um, we don't exactly have the equipment to package that. It does have to be pasteurized once it's in the can or bottle. Uh, we don't have a pasteurizer, <laughs> so um, we can't really do that. Okay, so he's only on on tap. Yeah, yeah. In your place, right? Because we we can't really control it um, out in the marketplace for release. It's it's too soon. That's all I'm saying. It's too soon. Yeah. Um, but that's likely something that we will do, uh, but it requires an investment on our part. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and you're not going to want to put sank out, which isn't right. No, 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 no. no. Um, but we do have uh, more recently a. 
um, a hop water uh, that we call hop splash and it's a dry hopped water like a carbonated water um, uh, you know I wouldn't call it a hop tea necessarily uh, it's really almost like a oh like um, uh, I don't know a, a, a carbonated water uh, but we dry hop it and that it's is flavored with hops yeah yeah pretty much yeah but, um, but it's still zero water yeah yeah, yeah. It's just okay, well, there's plenty of flavoured water out there, isn't there? So yeah. I, mean, I suppose you know, yeah, a bit like the beard product you're thinking about marketing, Steve, with you know, Cascade in it. <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> Everybody said that. Yeah, <laughs> it's something I've really got to explore. Yeah, um, yeah, you really do. It, it sounds like everything's going great for Sierra Nevada mm. right now. Um, it sounds like you're in a really good place, especially with the new brewery as as, as well. Um, I think we're really excited about trying the, the beer that you've come over to do with mm-hmm. Adnams. Um, and I know we are going to talk about that a little bit more with Dan as, as well. But Scott, thank you so much for your time. We really oh, appreciate yeah. it. Um, and we really appreciate you sharing some of your stories with us as well. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. Uh, just happy to be here. It's great. I took quite a lot from that interview. And, and one of the things in particular was that apparently... Hazy beers aren't easy to make. No, and I think with the Sierra Nevada range of hazy beers that we've experienced, they definitely go for haze rather than the juice. And basically, as he said, there's like hundreds of years of brewing history written down about how to make beers clear, but not the other way around. No. And how to make them still drinkable, balanced, work, etc., and that that I don't know how we really got onto that bit of the conversation apart from oh it's because it's one of their biggest it is their biggest well, well yeah second I asked, biggest, I, seller, I, biggest seller well I asked the question of it's the second biggest seller and apparently not now and uh, I I was really surprised when he said no it's our biggest right. seller now Steve you need to over, up your game over the pale ale you need I'm to a, buy more pale ale I can only drink so much pale <laughs> in 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 a year but yeah I was I was amazed by that but the the other thing that I was amazed by was the uh, how cheated you felt. <laughs> About losing three percent of the hazy little thing, and um, yes, I have corrected that. I have that rectified though, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, it's just when he said it, he said because uh, we talked about going to the Anchor Pub, which is nearby, and they did have a good range of the Sierra Nevada beers, and he had checked it out and said, "Oh, yeah, it's the one which is uh, under five percent," which then implied what? So there's one over five percent. Well, yes, the US version is up towards seven. Oh, okay. Well, that's a bit wrong. Um, but yes, on my recent trip to the states, I it was one of the it was literally one of the first drinks I ordered because I saw it. I went, that's the one I need to have now because it's got almost three yeah. percent more. And what I would say is that um, having had that one, they've done a really good job of making the UK version that sessionable kind of style without losing too much of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought you a. Um, you did, yeah. I bought you what was effectively a, bit, what, a big boy can for yeah, one of the yeah, yeah. phrase. Um, you prefer the UK session version, I think. Um, I yeah, I found the big can maybe just a little bit sweet for me, uh, the, or, or the bigger US version a little bit sweet for me. The uh, I probably still prefer the fantastic haze, the imperial version. Oh, that is the best version because. No, yeah. Sort of that sort of orange note on that one is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, do, but, you know, do you know what else though? Other than the hazy bit, how much do you want to go to the North Carolina facility now? Oh, it sound, yeah, the place sounds amazing. 
doesn't it? It just it the, the way the, the way Scott spoke about it was just like, yeah, that's a place that I never thought I wanted to go to that I absolutely need to go to now. Yeah, it it was never it was never even on a list, and now you've pushed it up towards the top yeah. five places I want to visit, and it's a little bit closer than the Chico. As one. he as he pointed out, yeah, that didn't help either. Yeah, um, but um, so what else did you get from what he was saying? Because we spoke to him for quite a while actually. We we did, and I I, I just think I, I think probably the same kind of vibe that we got when we spoke to Ken was that the, the passion is, 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 is just pure. He just loves doing what he's doing. And, and that man absolutely loves going to work every day. Oh, God, yes. Um, Doesn't he? Yeah, definitely. There's no doubt that he, he enjoys what he's doing. In fact, probably loves what he's doing. Um, but some of the conversations they were talking about, are, you know... Um, talked about that whole new river site about but also i think we were talking about did we get onto the conversation about um kombucha kombucha yeah and that being kind of a thing that yeah they're looking at but then yeah. they're also talking about seltzer and going back to ken saying well it hasn't got a soul yeah and you know again referencing ken again so bringing it back to um no if it doesn't work at the top doesn't it happen do, it doesn't it doesn't work yeah, yeah abs- absolutely but i the North Carolina side, the reason why we now have the Sierra Nevada online shop over here, isn't it? Yeah, because it's closer and we can get the beer a little bit yeah. fresher. Which yeah. has given us access to quite a few more Sierra Nevada beers and potentially fresher as well. Abs- ab- absolutely, yeah. yeah, And um, that's something that hopefully will we'll continue going into the future. Now, before we move on to the next interview, I want to get some thoughts because we've not really done any tasting notes around the no. East Village um, and, until right. this point. We've, we've got fruity notes, which again are nicely balanced between what you'd expect to get from, say, Go Ship, but I'd say Go Ship on keg rather than Go Ship on cask. This definitely feels like a keg beer right now. I oh, haven't tried it on cask yeah. and I haven't tried it on keg. It feels like the keg, the keg version. Fruity notes, it has got a dryness to it. And Again, why we didn't see the the combination of these two breweries balanced? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, why would we expect it's, that? It's a lovely balance, yeah. Because even when we were talking about torpedo, which yeah. you know, the torpedo and the citra hop, that whole thing of the origin of torpedo beer, obviously by accident, the name by accident, and even at the seven percent plus for torpedo, it's still a balanced beer. Yeah, fantastic haze that you've already mentioned, nine percent balanced. Very few Sierra Nevada beers are out of kilter. Again, same with Adnams. Same with Adnams, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, the, it's more a, you, the more we talk about it, it's like... How the it's it's, it's we the perfect it? collaboration, <laughs> isn't it? And and what we're going to do now is we're going to go into the interview that we did with Dan and Scott, where they talk about this beer, um, and we talk about how they came together to create this brew. So we, we hear about them talking about both of their yeasts having a different work rate and what they might bring to the beer. Because obviously, bear in mind, when we spoke to them... They didn't know what the final product was going no, to be like. They had a theory, but that was as good as it yeah, was. Yeah. Um, Dan talks quite passionately about terroir and the importance of local ingredients and what that brings to, to the brew, and also how they went about designing this collaboration. So tell us about this beer that Adnams and Sierra Nevada have come together to create. Um, do you want to start with your pale ale? Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, so uh, I think um, our pale ale is um, our most well-known beer. Um, and it's very much, um, well, I don't know. I, I, 
I sort of want to call it an English-style pale ale, but I don't think it quite is anymore. <laughs> uh, it's it's uh, it's quite hoppy, you know. Um, we don't actually dry hop it, uh, but it, but it is very hoppy. Um, but it's uh, pale malt, uh, crystal malt, and Cascade hops, and our uh, house ale yeast, and that's really kind of kind of it. it sounds pretty simple, but um, it's uh, very piney. It has a little bit of citrus character from the Cascade. Uh, I think, I think we need to get into this. It was really fun yeah. uh, to c c compare the U.S. Cascade and the U.K. Cascade. They were very, very different. Yeah. But our uh, pale ale uh, is, uh, you know, very citrus forward, a little bit of pine, um, and, and we bottle condition it as well. Um, our, our yeast is uh, the same yeast we've always used. We use it in nearly everything. Uh, you know, anything that you'd be able to find here in the U.K. has the same yeast in it. Um, and um, I think it's part of our signature. Uh, you know, it, it really is. So, uh, absolutely. I, I, I think if you if you say the word Sierra, Sierra Nevada, the first thing you think about is your is your pale ale. Yeah, yeah. But you can see the signature with the yeah. torpedo oh, and other yeah. beers. There, there's there's a link. Yeah, it's not dissimilar to you know the Adams beers, especially the cast beers. You can, yeah. You can spot it, and mm -hmm. I presume a lot of that does come from, like you were saying, the house yeast. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we're going to talk about terroir and a little bit about the hops, but certainly um, the yeast gives you your own terroir and, and, and the brewery plant as well. You were talking about that before as well. Yeah. So um, I like the description that you said it's a workhorse. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. What do you, what do you it's a wonderful yeast. Don't mind me asking, what do you mean by a workhorse? As in terms of the yeast, is, is oh. because it's reliable and will always do its job. Yeah, that, that's it. But it's also really versatile. You can play around with the temperatures of fermentation and get different results. You can abuse it with you know a fourteen percent ABV you know beers, and it's it doesn't complain too much about that. <laughs> it really doesn't. Um, it flocculates really well. It harvests really well. It's stable. Uh, you know, multi generationally, um, it's very predictable. Um, absolutely love it. But when we started f first talking about this project, uh, I think probably for the both of us, the first thing that comes to mind is what can we bring from each brewery uh, that is something of you know what, what what ultimately is the soul of that brewery and combine it together yeah. to make something new, and that, that was the whole point, I think. Yeah, absolutely, and the yeast is so critical and. Um I think our war profiles are probably not too dissimilar from the Chico Brewery, right? From the Chico Brewery, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, the yeast is makes a massive part of uh, our, you know, our characters and what the breweries have been built around. Unfortunately, our yeast isn't quite as um, well behaving as the Chico yeast. It's, it's equally versatile, um, but we have a mixed culture, so. Um, we first acquired the yeast in the sort of 1920s from a brewery in Norwich called Morgan's Brewery, and we kind of kept regularly going back for, for more yeast. But in the 40s, it got bombed, and uh, we had to kind of carry on and keep this yeast strain going on. And in the 70s, there was a lot of work at looking at the the complexity, and I think there was five major strains, and then some other strains, and it got kind of cleaned up to to two strains basically, which we're sort of still using today. So. Um, a mixed culture comes with all its uh, comes with all its headaches with managing it, um, but we wouldn't change it for the world. You know, it's, it's part of the family. So, yeah. the DNA of the Adams beers. Yeah, DNA is a great way of mixed culture yeah. yeast. Yeah, is that usual though on collaboration beers for the 
for collaborative breweries to work with both their yeast? Because for me, it sounds like a bit of a headache or a challenge, potentially. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> and how, yeah. Did, did you just make it a little bit harder for yourselves by saying, yes, we'll do this and this and this? Yeah, I think it is complicated. Yeah. Project, <laughs> but, but you've, got, you've got a look on your face that you're yeah. like, well, we've only brewed the beer today. We've no idea how yeah. it's going to work out. Yeah. So but how did the discussions take place? So you, when did you, how far, so we're recording this uh, towards the end of March, the brew day. When did you first start, actually start getting this nitty gritty of talking about it, presumably by email or by Zoom about how do we, what, what are we going to do to make it a collaboration brew? How far back are we going? Uh, when did we first speak? Was it end of last year or the start of this year? Um, I think it was. It's been it's been more than three months ago. Yeah. Uh, so we've been at the end of last year. So. Yeah. Yeah, um, we just set up a Zoom. Um, yep. Yep, and uh, we did a couple of Zoom calls. I think it was, yeah. and then we had a lot of emails back and forth as well. Just what, to start refining yeah. the actual recipe itself. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, um, you know you didn't let us touch any holes today. Oh, <laughs> we, we haven't got to look from a distance. Yeah, we, we, we're we, not we, allowed to touch anything. No, we, we, got to look, we got to look at you two comparing the hops. <laughs> we didn't even get to smell the hops this time. Oh. Um, but I presume all those conversations, seriously speaking, those Zoom, emails, then starting to talk about the actual technicalities, the measurements, how you can do it. So, like with the yeast strain and stuff, like how did you decide which yeast strain essentially goes first? Well, we're going to give them an, e an equal platform because it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, only fair in a collaboration, right? So, mm -hmm. um, so this this is a this is a true collab, then, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, because I've never heard it's, about this. It's, it's bringing the best parts of both breweries together. Yeah. But you're also using ingredients that are signature ingredients to both of the breweries, right? As, as, as well. So yeah, yeah, that's this, true. This isn't just a collab via email. This is mm. proper recipe development everything there's a lot of thought gone into this isn't there yeah yeah i mean not only are we using um you know cascade hops for example but we're using english grown cascade hops mm. and we're using uh, our normal u.s cascade hops uh, blending those together too is, is there much difference between those in terms of their flavor oh, profile oh big big time yeah we yeah rubbing them today side by side um yeah the terroir makes massive difference um we're even talking about sort of hop selection, so I think with with all hop varieties, but even even more so maybe sometimes the UK varieties, what you rub isn't what translates into the beer. So we use it as a tool to analyse the hops, but it's certainly not um, doesn't tell you everything, and you can be quite surprised. So even mm -hmm. rubbing the hops today, the Cascades and the Chinooks from the UK side um, up front, they're very herbal, and you get that quintessential still UK characteristics so grassy yeah herbal spicy um, but you, you know you keep rubbing them warming them up and some of that fruit is sort of hidden behind a little bit whereas yeah, the orange comes out yeah exactly yeah. the US the is there oh my god it. boom it's there yeah. you know it's it's you know that sweetness from some of the fruit and it's right there straight away so mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah so side by side you wouldn't even think they were the same variety no nice. you wouldn't <laughs> at all so if you do like a they like talk about doing blind tastings with beers mm. would it be i mean maybe for you two for example you may be able to identify it's still the same hop just very different so say for me and steve would we have been able to spot that they were literally the same hop 
as in both. Well, I think I would have struggled to be fair. Yeah. I would have as well. So then, yeah. that much difference. Yeah. 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 So there is that much yeah. difference then. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. really different. Um, yeah, and that's just because of where literally where they grow and exactly. the, temp, the the weather, the soil. Yeah, all, all the, that stuff. All the stuff which yeah. you talk about with like wines and grapes. Yeah, yeah. the terroir. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so, so we've got we've got both breweries yeasts going into the beer. We've got UK and US versions of Cascade and Chinook as well. What about what about the malts? We've got to be focusing on because. Adnams are, are very, very committed to, to using local ingredients, aren't they? Yeah. And especially when it comes to malt, so using local ingredients for, for, for the malt? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're absolutely blessed because where we're situated here in Suffolk, we have some of the best malting-grade barley available to us. Um, and we kind of, we've worked really closely with um, some of the growers, so um, about 10 years ago, contracts were set up to try and make sure growers in, in East Anglia were going to commit to growing um, molten grade barley because there was a real danger they were going to pull out. So on the back of that we've got an amazing relationship with Holcomb Estate in North Norfolk. Um, really great um, farm management they have up there and they do some amazing stuff. Um, so yeah, half of our barley um, comes from that estate and it's, and it's really great. So that will be sort of our base malt um, and then Again, we're really fortunate uh, that our chairman, Jonathan Admin, Adnams, has a sort of a hobby of growing rye. <laughs> um, and he lives in Raiden, and actually I think Raiden is, means rye on the hill. Um, and he, he grows um, rye for the brewery, so we use it. Um, Goship um, you know, is a, a big user of that rye, and we also use it in the distillery as well. So, um, yeah, one and a half miles away, we... we so yeah, we had pretty local then. You yeah. can't, you can't get <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, keeps yeah. within the family as well. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, it's really yeah, we're really lucky and yeah. And I know there's there's going to be a real focus on the cask version of this beer as well, isn't there? Because that's oh, where you that's where you really want it to shine. Yeah. Yeah, and um, the thing that um, sort of built our brewery in the last seventy years is our cask bitter and um, the fundamental part of that beer is the dry hopping cask. So we use a variety called Fuggle. Um, it's a pretty old hop, I think 1860s, 1870s, it was, uh, it's been around since. So, um, but yeah, that's fundamental in that beer and some of the flavors you just can't replicate with dry hopping in tank or anything like that. It has to be in the cask. So mm -hmm. um, you get these tanniny flavors. Um, and yeah, it's so we definitely wanted to so dry hop in the cask. They'll be dry hopping in the cask of the beer that you have collaborated on. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yeah. Directly in. Yeah, with directly a, in. With so a plug. We'll see, we'll see how many people complain of lively beer and getting splattered in hops in the <laughs> cellar. <so. laughs> It'll be a disclaimer. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And we're going to get this out as far as and as wide as possible, specifically south and mid-Essex. <laughs> <laughs> Just stake your claim there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, it's going to be available, uh, there's going to be some kegs, but there's, there's going to be some cans of this as well, isn't there? Yeah. So it's going to be fairly yeah. widely available. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to cask. Um, cask is really close to my heart. Scott, are you actually going to get to try this beer? Uh, I'm hoping I can get a can <laughs> sent over. <laughs> but, you, but you won't get the chance, presumably, to try the cask version. Then. I really don't think so, um, which is uh, which is a shame. But maybe 
That's a good excuse to come back. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't really need an excuse to come back. No, no, I don't need a... Well, yeah. uh, well yeah. no, of course you don't need an excuse, but uh, there's a reason, a very, yes, very important reason absolutely. to come So, beer's called Eastern Edge. It's 4.8%, yeah. and it's a, it's a pale ale, or it's a transatlantic pale ale. Transatlantic pale ale, yeah. And uh, we are very much looking forward to trying it, aren't we, mate? Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I can't wait. I'm, I, I'm not here. Yeah, I really want... I'm quite happy to try it, okay, quite happy to try the can. Desperately would want to well, try, try it. On cask. Yeah, yeah. A cask version of a collaboration between Adams and the Sierra Nevada. Just sounds I've got to have it. Ticks every box, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, we are in the element of FOMO here. Yeah. <laughs> we're, in, we're, in that, we're in the FOMO arena now. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But thank you so much for inviting us down on, on, on the brew day and, and letting us be part of this. It's been fascinating to hear how it all came together, really, and very much looking forward to trying it. Yep, cheers. Cheers. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. Thanks very much. That was the story of the Eastern Edge Brew Day. As told by the brewers, without us doing much at all, actually. No, we just kind of sat there and literally enjoying the day. Yeah, and we did it. Firstly, we did enjoy the day, so thank you again to, to Fergus for inviting us up there. Scott and Dan for giving us the time. We'd already spoken to them individually. Yeah. And they came back for more. They were happy that. to come back and yeah, talk to us um, again. And yeah, the, the whole thing about, I mean, that the two things, I think you flanked up one already, Steve, about the terroir, which obviously a lot of people talk about when they talk about wine, mm-hmm. the wine tasting especially. Um, but then that phrase, which I hadn't heard really much before, workhorse yeasts. And we, we did have a fairly decent conversation about yeast, which we, you and I generally don't venture into. No, because it's a bit sciencey for it us. Get, yeah, it, it, then we start getting a bit sciencey yeah. and stuff. And they were talking about when one's a bit more active than the other, and how they, you know, brought those together, brought the hops together, the terroir, the importance of local ingredients. And Dan is so passionate about that. Oh, he he he, he loves <laughs> it. You can literally see how much he loves yeah. the the local ingredient element. And um, yeah, the designing of a collaboration because it's you know, especially considering where they're both based. It was done by conversations, presumably Zoom, emails, that kind of stuff. And then they actually finally come together and actually get to meet. I think Scott had been in Southwold for a couple of days before yeah. we, we, we got to speak to him. So he'd got a little bit of the lay of the land. Um, so yeah, it's, it's quite fascinating to have that, sit there and listen to them and watch them just interact with each other. Different backgrounds, different types of breweries. And, but... They're all. They're both talking the same language, aren't they? Absolutely. Yeah, and not necessarily one that I always understand, but I'm quite happy to sit down and observe. A little bit of magic. Yes, we magic. All, we we, we like we, we like the magic. Now, that was the last interview that I was part of, Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, you were, as you've already mentioned earlier in the show, you were lucky enough to go back to Southport. Yes, um, I was. For the actual the big launch. With all the uh, media glitterati, glitterati, and you got to speak to a Mr. Grossman. I, d- I did indeed. Yes, I got to go um, back to Southland when the cask version of this was ready, and that was coincided with Steve Grossman coming over to to, to visit Southwold um, to sample the beer and to essentially be almost a media face. Because he for, is for, the, for, uh, the brand ambassador. He's he's kind of yeah the worldwide beer ambassador. Yeah, for, well, I mean for what a title. I mean, 
Brilliant. How, even... how much would you? No, did you? So, because I obviously wasn't there. So I'm just sitting there when when he uttered those words, which you will hear. Did you go? I want that job. I did kind of in my head, <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah. Um. But but yeah, it was it was brilliant to to get to go back and and, and to try the beer. And uh, I have to say the, the the cask version of Eastern Edge, everything's a little bit softer, a little bit more muted in it. Um. The the, the malt. Is, is maybe a little bit more prominent, um, a little bit more citrusy on the finish, whereas I also got to try the keg version, and, and the keg version is almost, feels like a clone of Sierra Nevada Parallel. That's that that's the levels that the keg version achieved on, 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 on this. Um, From you, that is some... Uh recommendations do yeah and and i was happy to try all the versions but i was also very very happy to to sit down with steve and to to record a little bit of content as you might as ken might have told you you might recall he started with a stout first beer yeah yeah yeah. then pale ale but it's because you can you can you can hide all sorts of sins in a stout can't you that was his that was his thinking (laughs) Well, yeah. were you were you involved back back then yeah. when when he, when he I first started? I was involved because I was a home brewer and I introduced a friend of mine. I used to race bicycles. I had a guy on the bike team that was interested uh, in brewing, so I introduced him to home brewing, and he got to be good. So um, I brought him up to Chico to meet Ken. So the two got together. That was probably 1978. Yeah, and then the idea was hatched to start a brewery. So Paul was Ken's former partner, original partner, and mm-hmm. then um, Ken bought him out many, many years ago. But um, yeah, so I was involved and then doing sales in the beginning, uh, mostly in Southern California. Yeah. Helped set up the, well, set up the distribution network there. So involved from the get-go, actually before before the, the starting with mm-hmm. uh, introducing Paul the beer and uh, Ken. So, so did you help with any of the, because um, if, if, if you read Ken's, Ken's book, he was very hands-on, wasn't he, in terms mm-hmm. of he literally built the brewery yes, he did. himself. He sure did. did. Did you have any involvement in that, or no, did you just I, leave I him to it? I did not, no. <laughs> let, let him tinker away. Ken's, more, Ken's the tinker in the family, that's for sure. <laughs> and you just, you just guided him. I was more, uh, <laughs> I guess, the, the sales bent to, to yeah. me, so yeah. So what's what is it? What, what do you do for Sierra Nevada now? What's what, what's your role? Well, my title is brewery ambassador, so I help uh, look after the export with Ian in the UK and then the markets around the world. Um, I do a lot of uh, I don't know, I guess speaking engagements, um, go to major events uh, in the states and internationally. So represent the brewery. Mm-hmm. So it's what brings you to um, sunny Southwold, as, as it is this afternoon. The I sun's can see the to, sun to, to shining through it's, the it's windows. Yeah, yeah. What what brings you here? Well, we have a beer to introduce. So um, uh, collaboration that we did with Adams. Mm-hmm. That's just the Eastern Edge, is isn't it? Eastern Edge, and we were invited to help them celebrate their 150th anniversary, and we were honored and excited to. Be part of the project. So how how did it how did it come about? How did the conversation even begin of Adnams and Sierra Nevada working together? Because you are very very distant cousins, aren't you? We are we are separated by a 
bit of uh, water and land. And yeah. um, yes, um, our head pilot brewer, Scott, um, emailed me saying that Fergus from Adnams had contacted him inquiring about uh, doing a collaboration beer. So Scott contacted me and asked me what I thought. I thought it was a great idea. Um, I ran it up the flagpole and we decided we would love to be a part of, of the collaboration and celebration. And you must get quite a few breweries approach you to, to want to collaborate with, with you and I guess you can't say yes to We can't everyone. say yes to everyone. We have done quite a few collaborations throughout the years um, but we're limiting now. We're quite busy at our breweries and we're limiting collaborations. However, this one stood out as one being very special so we certainly wanted to be part of it. Um, so we had our brewer Scott and Fergus talk about recipes, ideas of what they wanted in the in the brew and Scott came over a few weeks ago and, and helped brew and here we are uh, today we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna try it for the first time and I'm sure everyone here in Adams has tried it so far but I'm looking very much forward to it. I, I do just want to ask you in terms of Sierra Nevada is as you said, it's always been a, a, a very much a family business, and, and that's what you, you pride yourselves on. It's, it's on your labeling, isn't mm -hmm. it, that it's uh, fought over? <laughs> as, it as, is as, fought as, over, as well. so family business. My brother, of course, Ken is the founder and still sole owner. Um, my niece, Sierra, is involved in our brewery in Chico. At our second brewery in North Carolina, my nephew, Brian, is running that brewery, and I do, do a lot of the, the the sales bit um, mm -hmm. and international so certainly a very much a family business with the intent of keeping it in the family for generations to come um, hopefully maybe a hundred years for us as well um, we're at 42 right now yeah. so we've got a ways to go but um, hopefully the next several generations will still be wanting to be involved in the in the brewing aspect mm -hmm. and, th and that's the interesting thing because you, you say future generations being involved. Obviously, the current next generation, as you've said, they're already involved. Um, and, and again, if you, if you read in Ken's book, he'll, he'll say that the kids grew up in the brewery. It was that that was their playground because they it was, it was certainly there. did grow up in the brewery. Yes, many pictures of the kids, uh, <laughs> you know, doing things which wouldn't be allowed by OSHA today, but writing yeah. um, down the bottling line in, in uh, boxes uh, was, I think, a great pastime for Brian when he was a youngster. Yeah. But yes, Ken would definitely like to have several generations carry on the tradition. Mm -hmm. So I guess this current generation, it, it wasn't too much of a hard sell for them to become part of the business because they have grown up with it. Is, is the worry for, for future generations that maybe wouldn't have been as involved as they were or are you confident enough that your family is so strong and so embedded in this brewery that it's there for life? Well I think that's always a concern whether future generations are going to have the same passion for the business that let's say Brian grew up in his kids they don't have the same involvement although I think you know they are the brewery is is the life of, of the family and the kids are exposed to it on a daily basis so hopefully they will get the same sense of passion instilled within them that they want to continue with the tradition mm -hmm. but it's always a concern 
and you know something that we hope we try to plan for and do the best we can. Yeah, and and you're still growing. So you've now obviously added the second brewery in, Correct, in, in, in North, North Carolina. North Carolina. Are are there any plans to continue that e expansion in terms of? more sites in the states maybe i don't know maybe a european brewery well i think for the time being we have our hands full um i know in the past i've discussed with ken you know uh, the possibility of, of doing a european brewery um, nothing in the works at this point or even future ideas but it's always something that um, the brewery looks at, you know, for the future, how are we going to, you know, keep growing, but nothing in the works. So we're, we're very happy with our two breweries right mm -hmm. now and who knows what happens down the road, but nothing in the planning stages. Yeah. I, I think from our point of view in, in the UK, we've, we've been fortunate maybe in the last year or so with the, the, the launch of the Sierra Nevada online shop where we can now have access to more and more Sierra Nevada beers because mm -hmm. up, up until that point we, we got the Palau occasionally you'd see Torpedo mm -hmm. here in the UK but I think that the wealth of the beers that are coming over now is, is really beginning to give us a taste for some of the things that, that, that you guys do in the States. Yeah I think it's important that the consumer has the opportunity to really have the chance to try our you know our many of the beers in our portfolio not just pale ale, which is our mainstay, but we brew sometimes 130, 140 different beers every year. And it's, you know, we'd like to share those with the consumer as much as we can. So mm -hmm. it's great that now we have uh, more available availability here in the UK. And on, on this trip, obviously you're here in Southwold uh, with us at, at the moment to try the Eastern Edge, you're here for the launch. Are you planning any other visits around Europe while you're here or is, is, no, is this just, it? No, this is it. Mm -hmm. just, just here for, mm -hmm. for a couple of days this is an important launch so it's it's you know this is a, make is my focus on this trip okay fantastic well that, listen that's been great i don't want to keep you any longer because we are going to go and get to try the beer now and, mm -hmm. and i don't know about you but i'm i've had i'm I, quite thirsty I, i've had a bit of a journey so i am thirsty as well brilliant cheers thank you very thank much you. thank you i really enjoyed that interview i could have kept that going for a long time as, as, I, as well. I, I'm going to put it out there, but maybe that conversation was longer, and what we've heard is oh, it was it was the, much the the condensed, maybe edited, shorter version. But I reckon it was a bit before and after. It, it was much longer, and there, and there was almost an element that I really wish I'd recorded that was stories about Ken as as a child. Oh, which, oh <laughs> I would have loved that. Um, which was great, but 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 Steve was absolutely lovely. He was great to chat to, and. The, the passion, I think, came through in, in that interview as well for, again, for this collaboration and, and also for a beer, a beer that at that point he hadn't yet tasted. Yeah, there was definitely an anticipation that it was going to work. And, you know, obviously the final bit was let's go off and taste it at last. Um, but also what I got from it was that sense of um, about the whole Sierra Nevada ethos, the family. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, you know... Um, to talking about the gen next generation, that seems to be fairly well sorted. What about the generation after that? Will, will they want to be involved in it? Because they can't be as, as he put it, you know, they can't be playing on the equipment, can they? These no, days? no, not like not like Ken's yeah. children did. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it is a bit different. But again, that 
that passion for the brewery came across. Um, and, you know, I mean, I was lucky enough to meet him a few days after you'd done the interview. Mm-hmm. And lovely bloke. Definitely got, there are definitely similarities between him and Ken. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like you're talking to you are almost to, the same person. Yeah, yeah. Um, but definitely his own man. Definitely loves what he's doing. Like I said, awesome title. Yeah, that that that's a job title badge you would wear with pride, isn't it? Abs- absolutely. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a lovely way to round it off. Actually, lovely way to round off. A the experience of the brew day, chatting to everyone involved. I mean, we've been going back and forth on this for quite a while. I mean, um, although neither Scott nor Dan asked us for our input on the actual brew, which surprising considering considering our track record. Get our brewing CV up. I mean, that's that, that's that, that's all it is. But I can't believe they didn't tap us up for that bit. Um, you know, all the all the commentary from from Fergus and the inviting us down. Awesome experience, and I would have loved to have been there for the launch. It was just, it was just a. A day I couldn't work with a day job. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean it was it was a great event. We got to we got to taste the Eastern Edge, we got to taste the South Wild Bitter, and we got to taste Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. I mean that's win win win. They're they're really and the, the the beer that's come out of it is is, is oh. great. The whole collaboration has been you, you know as as you said we've it's humbling to have been invited into this experience it really is and uh, a time where adnams are celebrating their 150th anniversary and only doing the one collaboration one collaboration we're celebrating our 10th anniversary this year as yep. well so it's quite nice for us to have been involved in such a momentous occasion and and it really is and we're really really grateful to not just fergus who kind of made this happen but also to dan scott steve for their time in giving up um in interviews and chatting with us but not just those folks but the the guys that are behind the scenes and that don't always get recognized so sophie and phoebe from had adnams who sorted out all these timings for us and all these interviews thank you so much for enabling us to make this podcast happen oh definitely and um you know ever so helpful they've sent us a bunch of photographs as well for the day so we've, we've got that now yeah we, yeah we've, we've got we've, uh, we've got that forever and we've we've, we've got yeah. the beer and it's a great beer and uh, and we're loving it so so thank you and, and we really hope our listeners have enjoyed this this kind of special show presentation whatever this is but we, we've enjoyed putting it together yes we, we've enjoyed be, being a part of this martin what's coming up on the next show well would you believe it steve something that hasn't happened for quite a while the homebrew special is back love it I love, used to love the homebrew specials and it's, uh, again, part of the 10th anniversary celebrations initially that we're bringing that back. It might come back full time. Who but knows? Not only that, we're joined by, joined by Sean O'Reilly from Suffolk. Big fan of Adams as well. Yep. Is, you know, a nice little continuation here. Um, can't wait to try his beers, mate. Really, really looking forward to it. Thanks to all of our listeners for joining us once again, and we'll look forward to sharing more opinions with you on the next show. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.